Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face episode 129 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. Got some comments this week, Matt. People were not happy about being able to see our legs. Oh, welcome yeah, we, to the club. <laughs> yeah, we posted the, the first episode from here on YouTube and one, a couple people were like, if you're not a girl, don't show your legs. Well, it's not like we're wearing skirts and like basic instinct flashing. That's E3. All right. <laughs> We're coming in with like mini skirts for E3. <laughs> Man, what is, weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. People are weird on YouTube, Matt. I don't know if you figured that out yet. I've but. noticed. But... <laughs> uh, I want to say we have a great episode tonight. Uh, Matt and I have played a ton of games this week. We're going to talk about all of them. A couple big topics to get to as well. I think it's going to be an awesome show. Uh, for those of you who uh, maybe haven't been on the stream for a while, uh, always remember to uh, subscribe via Twitch Prime. That button just at the top of the player is a huge, huge help for us. Uh, for those of you who have done it already this month, I appreciate it. It is getting towards the end of the month, and uh, that's generally when we start to really remind you guys. We'll pop it up on the site as well uh, as a friendly reminder for uh, people who have been subscribing to us every month. We appreciate it very, very much. Uh, we have a huge show. Uh, we've been a little under the last couple weeks. We've been uh, about mm -hmm. two hours the last couple weeks. I have a feeling we might stretch back to three. So. Uh, Kick those feet up. We got a lot of games to talk about, and let's get right to it. We're going to start things off with State of Decay 2. My gaming pal for that went up yesterday. Um, wanted to get that out there before it actually will release in, what, a couple hours on the East yeah. Coast. Actually, can you get stuff at 9 p.m. on the West Coast? Yeah. Okay. That's so, it, was when it went live on Friday if you had the Ultimate Edition at 9 p.m. Or if you, uh, if you have Xbox Game Pass, you right. can know how to play it for a while now. So, uh, yeah, there's multiple ways, but, like, hopefully people didn't get the ultimate one. Yeah, they, I think that would be a huge mistake. 30, 30 bucks versus 50 bucks is a big difference, and uh, in this case, I think you're getting what you choose to pay for in yeah, some yeah. ways. So, uh, as this show winds down, you'll be able to go and buy it digitally. I doubt they're doing midnight sales for State of Decay 2. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. So, if you want it tonight, you're probably going to have to go, uh, go to uh, PSN or Xbox Live or well, Windows. Well, not PSN. All right. Yeah. Or Xbox Live or Windows Store. Yeah, it is cross by. So. Yeah. So, if you buy it for one, you better play it on PC or, or Windows Anywhere, I guess, is yeah. what that is. Yeah. Play Anywhere, I guess, is what it's yeah. called. I haven't player. actually played it on PC. I didn't. I haven't either. Uh, actually, someone asked me in the comments. Um, for the game eval, what's it like to play it on PC? I have not played it on PC, but what I replied to him was, the game is very simple to play. I cannot imagine them screwing it up on PC, but... Yeah, I'm sure the controls or whatever are fine. It's just, it's got other problems. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think the controls are the least of your concerns regarding this game. So, uh, Matt, you've been playing it as well. Um, I finished it late, late Saturday night. I actually mm. played with a sifter on Saturday to get some co-op in for a couple hours and then plowed through it. Uh, Matt, what are your uh, what are your impressions of State of Decay 2? Obviously, mine are kind of out there already. Yeah, I uh, I actually I like I like it a lot when it works, uh, but like I have stopped playing at this point. I think I probably played like 15, 16 hours, but I pretty much stopped playing because I've been hitting so many bugs that are causing me to have to restart the game, and then I lose the mission I was on, or like the and the mission doesn't come back, or I you know like the you know it, it's it puts me somewhere else that like I can't get to my vehicle or like it's 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 just it's riddled with bugs. This and is the buggiest, most broken game I have retail wise. It's in the top ten as far as games that I played that are broken that were released. Um, 
I mean, it reminds me... I played preview code that's been worse. It reminds but. me of the first game a little bit in that regard. I mean, the first game did not launch in the most wonderful of states. I, I barely scratched the surface of the first game. I had um, very little experience with it. I actually it. just replayed through the first game in the past couple weeks because I was like, well, I, I thought... Because after we talked about how similar this looked, I was like, you know, I should probably play the first game again to refresh myself so I can really know what's new and what's different. And I would say that... I don't think there's anything in this game, in State of Decay 2, that is not better than State of Decay 1. That's good. Um, like, it feels like it controls better, uh, the way the stamina and the life work is better, uh, it looks marginally better, um, the world is bigger, like, it feels, you know, there's, there's, everything works a little better in terms of kind of the design of the game systems. Um, the issue is entirely, like, it's not finished. It's not a, it, it, it doesn't feel like it's a finished game. Like, I mean, the, the very beginning of the game, you go through sort of an intro area, and then you pick one of three main ma three maps to kind of like establish as your base where you go. And uh, I picked I picked the valley, and I picked the plateau. They direct you to go to a um, you know to the first house that's going to be your main base. Uh, and I went there, and you have to clear out the the house. And, of zombies, um, yeah. The last zombie was inside the geometry of the stairwell. Yeah. Uh, just sort of, you could hear him. He was moaning, and the real red dot on the mini-map was right there, but I couldn't get to him. And so I just sort of stared there for a while and sort of, <laughs> I was kind of swinging my weapon at the thing, see if I could get him, like, wait till his Maybe arm. clip through the wall yeah. and hit him. Or, or, like, wait till his arm popped out of the right, thing and, and shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, my, my NPC companion uh, teleported inside the wall and beat him to death. And... Um, <laughs> So then we, uh, so we got our first base without having to restart the game. But that's the kind of, I mean, I have had stuff where, um, you know, something has happened with the physics and like a character has just flown a football field away at random times. Uh, once after a really harrowing series of out in the field events, I was driving back and about, you know, maybe two blocks away from my base, um, the world vanished. <laughs> uh, like the only thing that was left were the vehicles, the characters, and the houses, and they were all sort of floating on sort of like smeared texture, invisible nothing. Uh -huh. And I had to kind of drive over invisible things to get back to the parking space at my base <laughs> and stash the stuff so I could kind of get a save done. Right. And then I had to re I quit and blow the game back up, and it was still like that. And then so I had to completely quit the game and restart it. Um, actually, I might have had to restart the Xbox for that one. Oh, really? Um, and then re more recently, I've run into a. Pr I mean, I, I have a. I had a. I had a pickup truck that I that had a, a giant like bulldozer like front on it, so I could just mow down zombies. That's my, pretty sweet. My favorite. My favorite uh, vehicle it can it can kill a couple few hundred zombies before it even starts to show damage, basically. Um, and I was, I'd cleared out an inf infestation, which with that car, by the way, what I do is I just park outside the infestation and honk the horn and just ram them as they come out from the door. Um, but Smart I was, tactic. But I was turning around to leave and the side of the, the, the car like clipped part of the building or like part of the, it was like an, an overhang of something. And it like bounced between that and the ground like 4,000 times in one second and blew up. The whole car blew up and flipped over. Now, for some reason, all the stuff I'd stashed in the, the back of the pickup bed was still there. Yeah, I So I that. took all that, and I ran off, and I found another truck, and I drove the truck back, and I rammed the wreck of the, the truck, my, my truck, so it flipped back over right side up, and I used a repair kit and fixed it, and I got the it car back. It was fine. It was fine. 
So, like, on one hand, it was a fun emergent moment. On the other <laughs> hand, it wasn't my fault. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of stuff happening in this game where, like, and, and I stopped playing. The thing I stopped playing on was um, I moved my base to uh, a campground. And for some reason, sometimes when I park in the parking space there and I go to leave, the camera will just sit, will, go, will turn stationary. And, like, I'll just drive off screen. And then if I get out of the car, the camera goes back to normal. And if I get back in the car, the camera's frozen again. And the only way to fix that is to quit the game and start it up again. And because it auto-saves constantly, like, and it doesn't like, if you switch off of a character or quit the game while you're doing a mission, it kills the mission. It right. abandons the mission. And sometimes it'll even rewind way back to where sometimes you load it that. back up, you have to wait yeah. like 45 minutes before that mission becomes available. And sometimes again. it just goes away forever. Yeah. And so at a certain point, I'm like, okay, look, like, I can't keep doing this and losing progress and losing mission stuff and losing, I mean, you're also losing like, you know, I'm like many, many hours in, yeah. your base is a delicate balance. It is, yeah. And like, look, if you're gonna autosave so aggressively, like, cause there's been like glitches that killed NPCs during quests and so I failed the quest cause the guy I was supposed to help died. Uh, there was another quest where I was supposed to help this girl get these meds back for her boyfriend and we go negotiate with the guys who stole them and I successfully negotiated with them. So they're like, okay, here you go. Give, it, give, me, give me the rucksack of meds back. And I pick the rucksack of meds up and they go, he's taking our shit, get him. And like, right, they, right here's a glitch by the way. Here you see. Yeah. And they just open fire on me and kill the girl I'm trying to help. So, and there's nothing you can do. So I had, I killed them all. I took the rucksack back to her boyfriend and said, oh yeah, by the way, she died. And this glitch was just me climbing up a ladder. Yeah, and then my character just got stuck in the wall. And yeah, there, you can see right a, there, there is an option to unstick your character. Yeah, there's an actual, like, where you use the radio to call in support or to unstick your character from the environment. Have you ever seen that before? A game that let you, only in, in its final code, reset your... I've seen debug code in Only in code. MMOs. I've seen it in MMOs, uh, where, like, you, you type backslash stuck, and it'll, it'll, like, reset you, like, four feet away or something. That, that's a pretty common thing in MMOs. I've never seen it in a, in a, in a single-player open-world game. That's a new one on me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to keep pounding on it. I've no, had tons but what of I'm saying too. is, like, like, when it works, I actually really enjoy it. Like, I, I like the first one a lot, um, and I really like kind of the survival angle, balance with the base building, balance with the combat, and kind of keeping the, the infestations. They're a little, it's a little aggressive, and everyone gets very upset when there's infestations. Like, yeah, it's a zombie apocalypse. Deal with it. You know, like, certain points you want to just tell your, your survivor group to be like, you know, toughen up. Yeah, <laughs> buck up, buttercup. Um, but, you know, it's cool, like, like, the options of what you can build and, like, you know, eventually you can kind of get the, the base sort of in this sort of self-sustaining sort of equilibrium and that frees you up to go around and do more stuff and, you know, scavenge more things and talk to other groups. And now there's hostile survivor groups, which there was not. And, you know, you, you could make them unhappy enough that they'd leave town, but they would never attack you. And now you can have, like, you can have a house that, like, if you drive by, they just start shooting at no, you. No, they're, they're the like, toughest part of the game, yeah. actually. None of the creatures I thought were all that dangerous. It's the other humans because... They will use healing items. They use guns, mm -hmm. which none of the creatures in the game do. Um, it was actually the op my experience with this game was actually the opposite. When I first started playing, I, first of all, full disclosure, I'm not a huge survival game fan. I think everyone who watches Game Face knows that at this point. I'm not a huge fan of the genre. When it first started, it was very manic and it was hard to keep up and it was hard to keep my my uh, cohort satisfied. Um, once I got over the hump and I had established some outposts around the terrain. And I wasn't just like constantly having to run and get medic because like someone's dying or half of my posse is starving and I'm like trying to, you know, my best to find one rucksack of food or whatever. Once I got over the hump of that, 
that's where the game really turned sour for me. That's where the game became boring, it became tedious, it became repetitive, uh, because once you get your base to a place where it's, it's satiating your crew, then you actually just have to play the game. And <laughs> the, the lack of, of interesting mission objectives in the game, the lack of any sort of story, um, the lack of any sort of variety, it, it very quickly wore, wore thin for me. And again, I know those are kind of the tropes of the survival genre. I know that that's what a lot of people like about survival games. For me, it, it just it ran out of gas really quickly. Um, and then I felt, you know, I did not, again, I did not play the first one more than like a couple hours, so I don't have a lot of experience with it. I felt the game did a terrible job teaching you what to do, how to do it. Like, I, I, until I texted you, I had no idea where to deliver the rucksacks. Like, I would, and you're seeing it right now, delivering a rucksack. I thought... See, I, see, I think the orange icon with the rucksack, they put the arrow, is enough. Yeah, but see, um, I, I, didn't even, I didn't even notice it. I just ran straight to the inventory. I'm like, oh, obviously I need to put all the stuff in this sack in the inventory so the people at my base can use it. That is a chance. I mean, in the, in the first game, all you had to do was approach the inventory stash, and it would automatically take your rucksack and put it in. Um, same, I, with, same with the, uh, the cars. Like, if you had stuff in the trunk of a car, and you went into a parking space, everything, all the, sa the, all the sacks in the back of the car were automatically transferred to you. Now you have to actually park, look in the trunk, and hit the right trigger button to... And part of that, I think, is because you're, 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 you can carry rucksacks around and give them to other survivors, so right. you probably don't want to automatically just yeah, deposit yeah. everything. I can understand why they did that. Um, I don't understand why they have the two separate inventories, though, because basically what was, that my first three or four rucksacks, I put in the normal inventory. You go to try to put it in, and all it would let you do is break it down. So if you break it down, it would break up into like five medical bandages. And yeah, see, see I think the like- after, and I'm like, why can't my teammates just go into the inventory? Cause you get these messages, oh, we're, we're hungry or, right, well, oh, the, I, need, I need medicine. You're like, bro, there's like 8,000 things in the inventory, just go get it. And yeah, like- suppl The supplies are separate from the object inventory, yeah. But why? Because that's the difference between like what it's supposed to be like kind of general survival uh, equipment that you can use in the in the field and stuff that you use to maintain your base. It's just a separation. I, I, it wasn't. It doesn't make sense to me why they do it, which is probably why it took me a while to figure out that I needed to put the rucksacks in one and then put the other supplies in the other one. I'm surprised it let you move past it because like the, the after, once you get to the base and I, I don't know if it's the same no matter who you pick, but my. The character I was playing like was was fine, but the other character because you you have to pick between a set like a set of pairs of characters. So yeah. there's like there's like a brother and sister, and there's a a lesbian couple, and there's um, uh, two best friends, and there's like a, a boyfriend girlfriend that have been broke were broken up when the zombie apocalypse. Uh, That's what broke I chose. Out. Yeah, and. Um, one of them is kind of your main character that they have you play through the very beginning tutorial stuff, and the other gets blood plague. Um, and you have, you have like the heal. first set yeah. of missions, at least on mine, where you had to, you had to craft, find the cure stuff and craft the cure and stuff. And part of those missions during that were trying to teach you how to use the, the, the rucksacks and inventory and stuff. Went um, right over my head. And then the inventory lets you break them down. So I was mm -hmm. like, okay, well, I'm doing the right thing. It's letting me put this stuff on my, oh, in wow, my inventory. Oh, wow, look at that. Yeah, this is. I've had that glitch where the, the, where the way, passenger is like flickering in and out of the yeah. vehicle. By the way, this is me playing cooperatively with Sifter Suicide King. Um, he jumped in and played with me for a couple hours, which was awesome and fun. And the game's a lot easier when you play mm -hmm. co-op as well. Also, I, I got real tired of uh, all the vehicles getting about three gallons to the mile. Yeah, like cars the gas don't runs do out that. Real fast. Like, yeah. I, I know that vans and trucks are not the most fuel efficient, but like. 
these places are like four miles across maximum. Well, in fact, at one point, he and I were playing together and we had loaded up the truck with like six rucksacks or whatever. We were taking it back. I ran out of gas about 200 yards from the base and I had to keep running mm -hmm. back and forth that 200 yards to deliver the rucksacks to the base. Um, other stuff that wasn't intuitive, like I didn't notice that you could hit the right trigger and like just put all the rucksacks in at once. Even when I was parking in the parking space, I was running each one up individually. <laughs> There's just tons of little quirks about the game that I felt like it did not do a good job of explaining them to you. Um, thank God I had you who had played the first one because you helped me a ton. I'd be like, what's going on yeah. here? And you well, the, would the text interesting me thing back is they and, changed almost how you do almost everything in this one, even though what you're doing is more or less the same. Yeah. So like... What, like it took uh, even like something as simple as like attacking an enemy on the ground with like a finisher. Yeah. Completely different in this. In the first game, it was hold le left bumper and hit Y, and in this one, it's hold right trigger and hit X. Yeah. Um, so I had to kind of retrain my hands a little bit. Um, but in the end, I think most of what they decided to do in this may, uh, works better. Um, for the most part, uh, if, if, if I like killing zombies, and I, I, it's satisfying to me. I think the guns are more useful in this. The the targeting in the first game is really sketchy. I hardly even use the guns. I don't use them much because obviously because they're loud and they draw attention, and you don't want to do that. And you don't get but a ton of ammo either. But when I've had to uh, use them, uh, I can craft ammo now with a bunch of mods I found. Um, the base building has really been expanded in this, where you can you can modify each each kind of location in your base and sort of make it a specialized thing that can yeah. do various things, um, which I like. Uh, and so I can kind of craft my own ammo because I need uh, uh, I, basically I need rifle ammo more than anything else because my main I have like characters that are based on you know they're they're based around doing various things. So like I have one 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 of my characters has maxed out. Uh, marathon skill, so she can sprint without using any stamina. Right. So she's my kind of runner, my yeah. standard runner. I have the soldier woman is uh, she's my heavy heavy arm. So she's got the sniper rifle and she's got like she get, carries explosives. She's my plague heart killer. Which we were just um, attacking yeah. right there. That is really the object of the campaign. Is you have yeah. ten plague hearts that you have to destroy. Um, as you destroy each one the next one becomes more difficult. There's more mm -hmm. zombies to protect, but you have to take, it takes more hits before it's destroyed. Yeah, I, I, early on, it, they were pretty hard. Uh, eventually, I learned to just, like, draft a survivor to come with me, and they will sort of take the hits from the blood yeah. zombies while I whack the thing with a stick. Because they tell you, like, use explosives. You, it none of it does anything. anything. Well, first and of all, aiming explosives or throwing grenades difficult. in this game is impossible. Yeah, there's no... Impossible. There's no reticle that shows yeah. you or an arc, like, to show you, you where it's going to You just kind of got to hope that it hits where you... Yeah, I did the first couple plague hearts, I tried that, and I was throwing my grenades all the way through yeah, it. Yeah, you're like, wasting them mostly. And I was just like, screw this, I'm just going to beat it with a the best. <laughs> the best plague heart strategy I've found is to hit them with a couple Molotov cocktails, which actually does damage them very strongly, and just, and just use a shotgun or use a, a crowbar and yeah. just whack them until they I die. I just whack them until they were dead. Yeah, and I mean, it's <laughs> a valid strategy, and like your, your companion will usually sort of play decoy, and then they'll get blood plague infection, and then you use a craft of cure and <laughs> stab it into their neck, and you're done, you know? Yeah. Um, so early on it was a problem but later on it became it's like oh it just kind of became okay take your take, take your last breath fellas you know kind of yeah it's like and yeah you know, i use, generally use this my strategy of like taking the war rig and parking outside the house and honking until no, everybody perfect. comes yeah. out uh and you just go i mean they summon more the blood play the plague heart summons more so it's not like you have an empty house just to, right, to right. wail away but like it's a very valid strategy if you can get because you can upgrade the cars in a full-on Mad Max stuff like war wagons. Well, it's and stuff. also a good way to build your influence points because yeah. they're pretty stingy with the influence points. Like, 
you can make them pretty fast if you, you keep doing like side missions, but like you're kind of at the mercy of the game to pop those side missions up. Is, the influence the points govern the whole game. They're the gate for the whole game. It's what yeah, you. Yeah, it's, it's your be, currency for upgrading and doing stuff. And for securing new outposts, mm -hmm. because to me, what the key to, to getting over the hump with this game was securing the outposts. Yeah, outposts are key. Because you can secure outposts, and each out, not each, but most outposts will help drip resources into your base. Yeah, so, you don't want to establish an outpost anywhere that doesn't give you some kind of resource right. bonus. So yeah, you don't get, waste your points yeah. on a house that's not going to give you one of the things yeah, that you're You can get needs. extra beds or you can get uh, provide food or ammo or construction stuff. I generally, I had one that did, did beds and I had one that gave uh, a construction material, one that gave ammo, and then the fourth one which is really the thing that made the game easier was uh, a power station, yeah. which took 2,000 influence, which took That's me a lot. It took me about an hour to get that. Yeah. So by that point in the game, like I was, I was racking the influence up pretty quick. Um, especially because driving that, that uh, the war van around. Yeah, rolling up the kills. Well, yeah, because yeah. like every few zombies you kill, you get five influence. And so if you're just mowing through hordes, you're getting yeah. like, you know, five, 15, 10 all the time. You're doing, doing you know, various things. You get influenced by selling, uh, you know, valuables to other survivors. Like, you can get, like, there's, like, luxury items you can just sell for tons of influence. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, as Ken Levine said when he started to play it and post on Facebook, systems, systems, systems. Yeah, that's really what it um, is. It's just a lot of systems to play with. The problem is that, like, there's nothing else. Well, well, <laughs> that well no, I don't, I don't need, <laughs> yes, the thing is, I don't need anything else, but I need those systems to work. And you see the, the seams and things fall through the cracks constantly because of the, the uh, unfinished nature. I can only describe it as unfinished nature of the game. And like, I just wonder, like, if you're Microsoft, like, why is there any real pressure to get this game out in May? Like, why not wait? Why not delay it? I mean, maybe Again. they just gave up. <laughs> it's been delayed twice I mean, it's already. been four years. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so maybe this is like, okay, this is good. But it's weird that, like... The That's first, why I have the very little faith at, that patches are going to fix much oh, because they've been working on it for so long already, and it's I, still see, I don't, so I don't broken. believe that at all because the first game launched with a bunch of terrible bugs in it too, and they fixed that up. How um, long though did it take? Well, it took like eight, eight, nine months. Yeah. So like, I mean, I'm not going to say it's tomorrow or anything, yeah. but I'm saying they are. I'm sure they're going to fix it. It's just right now I can't tell anybody to buy this unless they just have a, the highest patience level for bugs and weird stuff. And by by no means by the ultimate edition. I mean, thirty bucks it wouldn't like piss me off if I paid that for this. But if like, you like survival games, I think for thirty dollars yeah. you're probably going to be pretty happy with. Well, your especially purchase. if you like the first. If you like the first one, you'll love this one. I mean, but the problem is like I can't guarantee your experience will be smooth sailing in terms of just the technical problems. Well, I can guarantee it's not going to be. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> it's definitely not um, going to be. It's, and it's just weird that like things you know like like one of the problems in the first game, and I even ran into it when I played it recently in the you know the Year, the year one edition, which is a more or less cleaned up remaster of it, um, I was running into the thing where zombies would be in geometry or buried under rocks or something, and I couldn't kill them, so I couldn't finish the mission. And that happens in this game too, and it's just inexplicable to me because, like, the first game was like their own proprietary engine. I think this game's Unreal 4. It like, is, how are yeah. you getting the same problems in a totally different game and a totally different engine? Presumably with the support of Microsoft and Epic. Like, what is going on? I don't know how it looks so bad. I don't know how it runs so bad. There's crazy, like, we had crazy lag playing co-op. Oh, at least, the frame rate drops if you look at it. it at least I did. I don't know if... Uh, and it, I'm playing on the X, and, like, it, yeah. it's... You know, it runs pretty smoothly in most... But like, 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 right there, you saw it really... Like, when particle effects pop up like that, yeah, or, yeah. or if you're it driving too fast and decide to make a turn, it'll just, like, frame rate you into, into oblivion. Yeah. And um, I've had tons of bugs, separate from the ones you've mentioned, like... 
I tapped a guardrail one time and my car just exploded. Mm -hmm. I was driving down the road and literally just like a switch flipped and I was at the menu screen. It was, yeah. There was no, like it's crashing, nothing awkward. Literally, it just cut and I was at the menu screen. Um, just tons and tons of weird bugs and anomalies. Um, but I, look, I will say, and I'm not a big fan of survival games, I did have some fun with this game. There were moments, but I think what shocked me the most about the game wasn't the bugs, because I had heard about the first game, how rough it was when it was released. What shocked me the most, though, was that there is no story in this game at all. There's none. There's no, no exposition. There's no through, through thread. It's just, hey, the crafts hit the fan, survive, and yep. that's it. There's no narrative to pull you forward whatsoever. Well, I think that's great because I didn't like the story in the first game. I thought it got in the so way. So there was more of that in the first one? Oh yeah, there was, there was an overarching story with Lily, the woman who's on your kind of, you're at the computer at the, and you're, you know, you're trying to figure out what the military is doing and uh, it's loose. It's not like a, you know, it's not like a, it's not God of War or anything, but yeah. like there is an overarching narrative that in the end propels you out of the town and there's main characters more or less and stuff like that. Uh, most of that's gone in this game and I prefer that because one of the DLCs... So, so bad in the first yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> well also like, uh, I mean, you don't have Lily on the, on the, on the radio constantly saying, hey, you're never going to look at the survivors I told you about? No, I'm not because I've got 40 <laughs> things to do and I don't care about one more group of people that's going to ask me to go buy them food somewhere. Like, I don't, yeah. And like, uh, so, th so it's less obnoxious in that regard, and like one of the DLCs on uh, the first game was basically just an endless mode where you just went in and you played, and the story stuff was taken out, and I like that way better than the standard. So, so the fact that they've basically removed the overarching narrative and the only and the only story kind of stuff is really like the different characters have different personalities or have different like, you know, quest chains you can do. Like there was a quest chain. Yeah, I mean you can build your char characters to be pretty much anything you want. Yeah. And I and which like, that I, that I like, the flexibility. And there's like quest chains where like you I ran into three guys who want to start an auto repair shop, which is like that's an interesting goal in the post apocalyptic zombie world, but okay. So I'm like, yeah, I'd like to have a place I could repair my, my, my cars. That's cool, because car repair is a thing. It is, and, yeah. And, you have to so, repair it and fuel it. And you can't, if, if you can craft uh, repair kits for cars, I do not have the facilities to do it. I so. do actually have that. So I don't have, a, I don't have a car, an auto mechanic thing It wasn't really a mechanic, though. It was just a, uh, like a machine, machine shop, shop or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't have a room for and that. And you, eventually you get mods that you can use right. to, to craft them. Yeah, I just craft rifle bullets and Molotovs mostly. So I, I was I was hoping to rely on them to sort of do that for me. And uh, in the last mission in the quest chain, uh, the leader got killed because of a glitch, and that was the end of it. Like I couldn't. Do, and, and then the last two, the two guys remaining, are like, we don't know what to do without our leader now. Can we just join you? I'm like, fine. Just, <laughs> uh, sure. I don't care anymore. You know? And then one of them, as it turned out, because that is that that actually sums up. My entire opinion and one on this of game. An idiot. After he, I got past the first five hours, I just don't one care. One of them's anymore. an idiot, and he keeps like keeps like ruining like medical equipment and stuff. I'm just like, stop yeah. letting him near the infirmary. What well, you yeah, doing? I get messages from some. I tried to improve the house, but I screwed up. Like yeah. that person over and over and over again. I got that. Well, message. like when when like you run out of storage space and you can you can store stuff over what your maximum is, but it'll like decay or like right. and like like if you just keep living stuff around, like we're gonna keep losing supplies. I'm like, if you just don't shut up, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna store them in you. Like I'm, I, I, 
Well, I mean, there's also because none of these other guys ever do anything. Like, no. ever, periodically, like you'll they'll defend the base if you're not there. The base zombie and, attacks happen on yeah. your base every once in a while. But so, and sometimes you'll see a little message like, "Oh, I got this while I was out." You got like one bottle of painkillers right. and like a bag of chips or right, something. Yeah. And I'm like, "Hey, why don't you go on a food run? Yeah. What, like, if you could assign survivors to go out and like do st like scavenging missions, like what you're doing, because right now one of the main problems I have with it is like I, I was hoping to kind of make the the community a little more active from the first, uh, you know, compared to the first game, where like you can kind of assign people tasks and have them go do stuff and things, and like, and like that's not really here. Like, yeah. like you are, you know, the, the food goes down real fast, yeah. especially when you get a certain number of survivors. Like they're, they're eating seven or eight per thing, and like per you know, day, per yeah. day. And um, it takes a while to get enough outposts. Yeah, to and get an outpost, or like you know, I've used outposts. I don't have any food outposts. Really, I just, I just do it manually, and I have a hydroponics. Th that's why I got the power station, so I could build uh, a hydroponics garden. And see, that is and, one thing that's cool about the game is that you can yeah. kind of shape it to how you want to play. I, on the other hand, first three outposts mm -hmm. I claimed were food outposts because I got sick of coming back and them all being like, "I'm dying, I'm <laughs> hungry, I'm starving." And so I'm like, that seemed to be the resource that dwindled mm -hmm. the quickest for me. And so I went out and kind of For me, care. it was, uh, I think medical was my first one and ammo. And then I had to get beds because for some reason, right. that was another fun thing. When I first moved into the base, the base I moved into had more beds than I needed. Uh -huh. Plus I had two from an outpost. And when I moved in, for some reason, it said I had I had none. Yeah. That, that everybody was not sleeping well because there were there were only two beds. The only beds that counted as me having were the two from the outpost. And I'm like, the reason I picked this place is because it had like eight beds right, in it. Right, right. And it it took until I reloaded the game the next day that is like then it said I had as many beds as I needed. But by then the morale damage was done. There's all kinds of crap like that that happens in yeah. this game. Like you think like oh I didn't do something right and then you find out no that was just a bug. Yeah, like, it just wasn't. <laughs> no, it just wasn't working it wasn't right. registering yeah. it yeah if um, they ever get this up to the point where it's like all functioning more or less properly it'll be a great little game um but right now like i mean i had fun with it if, you, if you're not afraid of like technical bugs and glitches and like losing some progress and being screwed by the autosave system because <laughs> nothing works properly like go for it you know yeah. but like I, I think 30 dollars is probably the right price for it um, if you're a survival game fan, if it was functioning on all cylinders, yeah, I would say. I 30 think if, if I think it was functioning on all cylinders and working the way it's supposed to, it'd probably be worth a little more than thirty bucks, though. Mm -hmm. um, I would never pay. Maybe if it looked better. I mean, again, I don't like this genre. I would never pay full price for a game like this. But if if you're into this genre, I think if it worked the way it was supposed to, and there weren't so many glitches and graphical issues and all the other stuff, it would probably be worth like forty or fifty bucks. But uh, as it is, I mean, I think probably we both recommend that you wait for a couple months to see if they can patch some of yeah, this stuff I would, up. I would definitely put this on the wait and see list. Because it's frustrating. I mean, if you're yeah. driving back and you have like four or five rucksacks in your vehicle and it just, something crazy happens and yeah. it blows you up. You hit a and, gerbil and it explodes. Yeah, and like look, it, I'll say this, like I never had a case where I lost anything. Mm -hmm. One time though, I thought I lost something. I, my vehicle got straight away out and then I go outside and there's a rucksack sitting in the, on the grass. <laughs> One thing I will, yeah. One thing I will say about this game that impresses me is how all the persistence in it. Yeah. If you park a car at a certain place, it's there, and you leave and don't look at it again for 15 hours, when you come back, that car will be there, and whatever you had in that car will be in there. It's true. Like yeah. the, the persistence of, of where you leave objects and where you leave everything is very very good. But I had lots of quests that glitched like yeah. halfway through, like a multi-step. Quest when you have like, quests that like you're supposed to like switch to an, a particular you know you have to do this quest you have to switch to this character and they have a little exclamation point in the community 
screen, but a couple times, like, usually it's better to talk to them directly and switch to them that way, because if you switch through the menu screen, sometimes the quest doesn't trigger. Yep. And then it disappears until you le you switch off that character and let them sit around for like 30 minutes, and then that quest will pop back up. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of stuff like that. Uh, there's a whole thing where um, if you have a companion character and you go back to base and a zombie attack happens, this happened to me multiple times, the character, your companion character will disappear and you won't be able to find them. And you'll see the, mar the little marker on the screen but there will be nothing there. There'll be no one there. So to get them back, you have to switch to them in the menu screen, and that will make your original character their companion, and then you can talk to them and switch back and then dismiss them, because otherwise they'll follow you forever, and you can't bring in any other companion characters, any other followers, because you've already got one. But you can't, he's invisible, so you can't talk to them and get rid of It's just, that, it's just, and like, at a certain point, you've, you learn to work around this so much that it doesn't even register anymore. Like, I forgot about having to do that until, like, you just mentioned. You start to game. expect it after yeah. a while. Yeah. It's just like part of the game is working around the technical shortcomings. Which, I mean, I said earlier. Which isn't fun. I haven't played a game that's this broken or buggy in a long time. I haven't played a game this broken or buggy maybe ever mm -hmm. that came from a first party. Yeah. Like this, in, in a lot of, you know, and I don't mean it, I try, I'm not trying to be mean when I say it, I just mean like, it feels like playing like the early access version of a Kickstarter game. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel like something Microsoft put no, out. No, definitely like it's, not. It's, like I, 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 want, I want a Jeff Keighley last day's uh, <laughs> final hours uh, documentary on this one, because it must have just been a bunch of people going like, I don't know, I guess. What can we do? We've been working on it for four years and we still can't figure it out. I mean, you can blatantly see why this game was delayed a couple times. Oh, yeah. Uh, but still, it should have been delayed again. Yeah, it needed, it's not finished baking. It, it's hard to get back first impressions. Um, I mean, will the studio even make another game after this? I mean, it'll probably end up making money somehow still. The first ones ended up selling pretty well. Yeah, and it's, not, it's, it's fun. I mean, if, if they get it up there, it's fun. I mean, weirder things have happened. Yeah. We got another version of No Man's Sky coming out in a couple months. Yeah, so. yeah, that's right. Um, but I think both of us can agree that for now, people should hold off. Yeah, I would, I would wait and see on this one, if you haven't already done it. Yep. You know, like, well, I don't think they could don't, yet. Don't, well, you could if you bought the Ultimate Edition. Well, <laughs> I would hope nobody In which did. case, you already know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. I would definitely... You're you know, already living in a puddle of regret. Don't race from this live stream to... Go buy the game. Buy the game before it goes live <laughs> at 9. Just, just, just hang out. Yeah, I promise we will be more entertaining. Actually, some of the bugs are kind of fun and entertaining. I'll say that much, but ultimately the I frustration... Just, I would find it less annoying if the auto, if there was any control over the saving system. Yeah. Like the fact that like you just can't control... If yeah, you don't save it all. something goes horribly wrong, the game has already auto-saved it and you're stuck with it. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. And like, and I, my, because my concern, I'm many, many hours in, I've got a lot of characters that really fulfill very useful functions and important function. I've specialized several of them to do various things I need them to do. And I'm getting, I've just gotten to the point where I'm too worried that like something weird's going to happen and I'm going to, one of them's going to die through no fault of my, and I'm, I'm cool with like a, a, a relentless autosave system that makes you live with your consequences of your actions or your mistakes. But these aren't my mistakes. It's the, it's game's, the game's mistakes. mistakes. Yeah. So I'm going to, I got to wait until they figure that out, if they ever figure it out. Yep. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Onrush. Uh, you guys remember MotorStorm? Remember that little racing game that was a PlayStation exclusive through the whole was, PS3 era? It was the racing version of Killzone. Yeah, yeah. it actually was kind yeah. of. That's a, good, that's a good way to describe it. Uh, so that studio, Evolution Studios, uh, eventually Sony decided it did not want to publish MotorStorm anymore, which I'm kind of surprised at. I mean, it was kind of like... 
I don't know, Sony's version of Forza Horizon, I guess is a good way to put mm -hmm. it. it, was like their first party arcade style racing game. Well, they also, they, I mean, they, they put a bunch of, bunch of them out. Like they were, yeah. it was a regular series. And Remember it was like one of the first uh, PlayStation 3 games to yeah. play in 3D, remember? Right. Remember when Sony had that big 3D push there for a while? Yeah. And they put out their PlayStation branded 3D TV. Remember that? Mm, yeah. Motorstorm yeah. was kind of the poster child. It had that. like the PlayStation built into it kind of thing. No, it or wasn't. Was that, was it was just PS2 they just thing? had yeah that, they just had a branded PlayStation TV for yeah. 3D. It was like a good deal. Like you get was like a 40 inch TV that you could get for like a couple hundred bucks or whatever. But anyway, um, that was kind of the beginning of the end for Motorstorm. Motorstorm had a had an auspicious debut. The mm -hmm. second game did real well, and then after that, it just kind of fell off a cliff. Yeah, I don't remember which one, I think, was, what was it, which one was, I don't remember which one it was, but it was like called Pacific something, Pacific Fire or something like that, and most of it took place like in like... Pacific Drift. Pacific, yeah, it took place in like the, the Ring of Fire. It took place, it was yeah. a lot of volcanic activity. Yeah. I thought that one was pretty good. Well, they were always set at like a music festival for some reason. What is it with racing games that they think people just go to like festivals and like drive around real fast i don't know i, f I feel like forza horizon gets shut down pretty fast <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Uh, colorado is so a very tolerant state but i is. don't i don't think they'll take four thousand dudes in lamborghinis like tearing around the place knocking old women off off uh, cliffs and stuff yeah uh so this is the studio evolution studios what happened was sony Apparently, I think Sony owns the name Evolution Studios. Yeah, that's probably true. But what happened was Sony cut them loose, and then Codemasters bought the studio, and now they're called like Codemasters, whatever town mm -hmm. that they're in or whatever. And um, how must that feel when they're like, "Yeah, you gotta go. You made like four games for us." And there's a meanwhile, like Team Eco is still making like one game Last every Guardian twelve years since like two thousand four. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, so this is uh, Evolution Studios. I'm going to keep calling on that. This is their new game. It's called Onrush. It is an arcade-style racer, and it does have a lot of... Uh, it does share a lot of DNA with Motorstorm. Probably the, the biggest thing is that it's a multi-discipline racer. So you have motorbikes, you have trucks, you have cars, and you have dune buggies. Um, but a lot of things about this game are completely different, not just for Motorstorm, but for driving games in general. And I feel like we're on a roll here. We had Trailblazers which kind of broke the mold for racing games by kind of combining Splatoon and, uh, and F-Zero elements into one racing game. This game, there's no finish line. Think so, about that. So you just have to destroy everybody? Or? So there, the, I've been playing the beta. The beta has two different modes and two different tracks. And there, the two different modes, one of them is essentially you have to get as many boost points as possible to win the race. And it's teams. It's six... Six racers on one team against six on the other team. And then there are also tons of AI racers thrown in with your race. Um, and so one of the modes was just get as many points as possible. You get points for running other players off the track. You get points for running the AI guys off the track. You get points for boosting. And then the, the other mode that was there was a, a gates mode, basically, where you had to drive through gates. And the catch is, if you tried to drive through the other team's gate, you would actually slow down and eventually explode. Hmm. Um, but because there's no finish line, when you crash or you fly off course, you don't have to like drive back on the course, or they don't reset you where you went off the course. They drop you right in with everybody, all with right in with the action and the heat of everything, which makes sense. It's because it doesn't matter who gets across the finish line first. It's it 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 the what matters and who de what determines who wins is who essentially works the game systems as, as best as possible. Um, I found this to be extremely refreshing. One thing I would say, though, is the races can end pretty quickly. I think my first race lasted maybe like a minute and a half. Hmm. 
But the game's really good about getting you back in a race, like just like that. Like it has the uh, the Call of Duty online aesthetic, where you finish a match and like in a heartbeat, you're raring to go and you're ready to go back into it. And uh, the developers have actually kind of compared this game to a lot of other games like that, like Call of Duty. Uh, they followed a lot of uh, Call of Duty's network sort of benchmarks for creating this game. Um, and then the reason it's called Onrush is uh, you have Turbo, and as you, as you use Turbo, there's a meter that you can't see because it's covered by the graphic that will eventually fill up. And once it gets to 100%, you can, you can hit the triangle button, and then you get Rush Mode. And that's where you just go, like, nuclear fast. Um, the handling that, that reminds me a little bit of uh, Split Second. Yeah, yeah, I guess it, I guess it is kind of similar. Um, but except Split Second was about affecting the environment more than, than right. Else. Yeah, and there there are tricks in the game. Um, you can barrel roll on the mo on the motorcycles. Obviously, have more tricks. You can, they're not there's like four tricks per vehicle, basically mm -hmm. one for each direction on the D pad, and you hit a button. Uh, but I've had a ton of fun. The bikes seem like they have a. A, a harder time. Well, it's funny. Like, eventually you'll see me playing with the bikes. It's kind of ridiculous because, like, you'll come up on a car on the bike, and if you're going faster than the car, the car will fly off track. <laughs> like, you're just, your speed is just too much for it to handle. But what I love about this game is the chaos. Because it's six on six, you already have 12 in each, in each race, and they keep throwing the AI guys in with you, it is just total mayhem. And there's stuff like flying all over the place and vehicles and car parts and parts of trees. And uh, sometimes you just like almost squint your eyes because you're like, oh my gosh, here comes all this debris. And you end up flying out the other side of it. It's, very, it's a very exhilarating racing game. And again, with no finish line, uh, it kind of changes how you play the game. Now they have said um, there will be loot crates in this, but hmm. they're all cosmetics. Um, so they, they also compared this game to Overwatch in that they want each driver and car to be kind of a character that has positive and, and negative attributes so that everyone can kind of find a vehicle that they really can relate to. Um, and so it, they're trying to say it's like a character-based driving game. Okay. Uh, yeah, after, after, <laughs> to be honest with you, after playing it, I didn't really get that vibe from it at all. Uh, but it is a demo, and so a lot of the stuff was kind of limited. Like, you couldn't, like, customize your driver... You couldn't customize the cars. I'm guessing that's maybe where it finally kind of gets mm -hmm. into that territory. Uh, but well, Rocket League proved that there's there's uh, there's meat on that bone. They also compared themselves to Rocket League. <laughs> Basically, they've compared themselves to every popular game from the last three years. Where's the battle royale mode? Yeah, I'm sure it's probably coming. But <laughs> uh, but I, I actually had a ton of fun with this game. The funny part too is that uh, I got up today. I did like all the pre-show prep for Game Face, and I was like, all right, I need to get some onrush time in. I Sat down, I played it for two or three hours, uh, went and cut the B-roll together, which is what we're watching right now. I went back to play it, and the beta was over. Like, I literally got in right under the gun and got some time to play it. So, unfortunately, you guys cannot go and play this for yourselves now. The, the open beta is over already. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised by this. I liked MotorStorm. After I got to, like, after the second game, I was like, all right, I'm kind of burnt out on this. But to me, this game kind of has all the good parts of MotorStorm without the bad parts. Um, like, remember how the wrecking was a big part in MotorStorm? Mm -hmm. And the wrecks sometimes would take, like, literally, like, 30 seconds to complete because they tried to show off all the ragdoll physics and everything. Meanwhile, everybody's, like, lapped you on the track. Like, they get rid of all that stuff because, literally, like, you'll see once I crash here, it's like, whap, and then it'll just throw you, like, right back, right back into the race. Um, so I've had a ton of fun with it, with what I've played so far. 
Um, it is a different racing game, which again, that's two for two in the last couple weeks. We're starting to see some innovation in this genre, finally. Um, and it seemed really polished to me. You know, two tracks, two modes, not that hard to polish that up for a demo. Uh, but what I played was very responsive. I love the handling in the game. Um, I really liked it. Uh, that's two racing games that I really enjoyed in the last like month, which and it was a genre before this where I kind of felt like things were just gotten really stale. Um, so I've had a lot of fun with it. I think it comes out June 5th hmm. for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. So kind of destined to be lost in the E3 It's shuffle. very possible. I mean, it's good it came out on the 5th. That way the reviews for the game at, yeah, least, at least will hit a week before. before E3 comes out. Um, there's no other racing game like it. So maybe it has a chance. I think it's a shame though that a lot of people won't, won't realize, hey, these are the MotorStorm guys. Because mm. I think if, if they were able to kind of tout that a little bit more, I mean, you can uh, kind of have... see the pedigree just looking at it. Yeah, and it's a beautiful game. It run, You can see it runs like Grease Lightning. I think it's, from what I can tell, it seems like it's pegged at 60, um, which makes sense. Their last en engine was pretty impressive, too. Um, there's the gates I was talking about. This is one of the other modes where you have to go through the gates to collect points. But, yeah, Onrush, I've had a ton of fun with it. Comes out in a few weeks for pretty much every platform, as long as you're not Switch only. So, there you go. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about... A game that came out for the PlayStation 3. Mm -hmm. Another game, another, we're going back to the PS3 again. Uh, Dragon's Crown Pro. Dragon's Crown came out for the PS3. What year was that, Matt? Uh, yeah, I don't remember either. Like 2011, 2012? It doesn't seem like it was all that long ago. No, I, don't, I can't remember if, it, if we did it on G4 or not. Because that's kind of like the, 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 gray the, the marker for me. Is like if it came out at like 2013, maybe it's, it kind of blends in. Yeah. So what's up with it? You've been playing it. What's, playing what's it. the story with it? So this is just like it's it's a straight remaster of uh, of the original PS3 game. Just basically, it runs it runs on modern systems now. Um, yeah, and it's by Vanillaware, who did the, you know uh, Odin Sphere, and um, you can tell just seeing the art, the way they the they animate is is the same. It's like that kind of like sprite driven, uh, hyper detailed art sort of thing. Um, and so this is kind of a, it's very D&D &D, uh, inspired to the point that like, it's almost like you're playing a, um, like a campaign. And like, so there's a narrator, there's not really a lot of dialogue. It's more of a narrator that reads you. It's like a dungeon master kind of like reading you what's happening. It's like, you go to the tavern in the tavern, then old man greets you and da, 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 da. And sometimes he'll do like a little, like he's, and he says, what are you doing? So it's like, it's all kind of this one narrator guy, like, like telling you the story. Of Does what he narrate like the whole game? Pretty much, kind of like what you get with like a super giant games. Yeah, sort of like that. Okay. Except it's, it's it's like he's sitting there telling you a story almost um, as you go ahead and do all these things. And like the way it's it's done very much like an like a tabletop RPG in terms of like how that works, how that how that's phrased. I guess like it's like when it's time for your, your main quest to continue, he'll say something like it's like. You needed to find the talisman of whatever, so you went to the tower and asked the wizard about it. And it's like, well, you haven't done that yet, but it's like that's how it tells you what you need, <laughs> what to, you do need next. to do. What you need to do, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's kind of fun, like like the the way it all works, and especially like you know, it's probably even a little more relevant now that like like live stream D and D playing has become like a big thing now. Like has crit it crit critical role and and like there's a whole separate like you know channel you know channel population on uh, Twitch for that now and like. Um, yeah, it's, it's like like tuning in to watch people play D and D is a thing. Critical Role, specific, especially, um, to the point that you can get the Critical Role guys in Pillars of Eternity to uh, Deadfire as <laughs> characters. Crazy. I yeah. mean, as, as voiceovers. Um, 
So, uh, and so what the gameplay is, uh, it's an action RPG, it's, you know, action RPG, it's, it's, it's you know, overall, because you're, you're equipping equipment, and you're gathering, you know, loot, and you're identifying magical things, and you're, you know, you know pimping your character out as you need to, but it's really a, a side-scrolling beat-em-up, as you can see. That's it's, what it it's, looks it's, like, a, yeah. it, it's, it's uh, Final Fight, uh, Streets of Rage, uh, that kind of thing. Um, it's your usual vanillaware combat where there's, you know, it, it's simple and you can just get away with hammering the attack button. But if you want to, there's, there's crazy combos you can do, um, you know, stuff like that. Um, it's, it's a slow burn. So like, um, and there's a lot of weird things that has to teach you. So it's, it's all, it takes a couple hours because there is actually online play. Uh, you can play full player co-op, co-op uh, at any time. Like you can do whatever you go off and just do whatever you want. Um, but that doesn't unlock for a few hours. Because um, at, at first, because at first it takes you through um, all the uh, all the levels basically that exist in the game, and that's like uh, I think nine, eight or nine at least. And the trick to it is so so you have your character that you pick, and then you have a friend, you know, the little you can little, see, see a little thief there with uh, with the bag. Yeah. So you control him because so you control your character with a with with the analog stick, and then the right analog stick moves. A cursor around the screen, and like you can move the cursor around, and like like you can move it to like click on things and find hidden loot, and you can use it to click on locked doors or locked chests, and your thief buddy will run over and unlock it. So you're kind of even if you're playing by yourself, you're kind of controlling the other characters. Still. No, you're you're only controlling that thief guy. The other characters. But you are can con- instruct the other characters to do stuff. Eh, not really. You can oh. make them drop stuff okay. if you want. But the, the, the thief is your buddy. The thief is your, your sidekick. He's not one of the other characters. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So he's, you can't play as him. He's, just, he's the guy who goes around and unlocks things for you. Um, you eventually you get rune magic. So like there's, there's runes hidden in the background of the, of the art of the, back, of the backdrops. And you can click on them and then cast various spells with them. Almost sounds like this game might be better played on a PC. Um, no, it works really well as, with a yeah. controller. It, it's very much designed for, for... I mean, it would work on a PC just fine, but like, you'd want to still play with a controller, no question. Um, and then, uh, so you go through this early stuff with all the questing, kind of more story-driven stuff, and once you've completed all the, the main levels and kind of like opened the main story up where you've kind of learned that, like, okay, you need to get these nine talismans to stop this evil dragon from another dimension who's coming to that. Then the game opens up and says, okay, because um, until then you're going through this portal that lets you teleport to any of the levels, and now it's like, okay, uh, if you go through the portal, um, you, only, you can't control anymore. You can only go to a random level, so you don't know where you're going. And once you've got the, the way the talisman thing works is you can go through all the levels as much as you want, but at a certain point you meet a character in each level. Whatever the character is in that level, and from that point you have a choice to go to the A route or the B route. The B route is much much higher level than the the A route, and the B route completing the B route sends you to the harder version of the level with a totally different path, a totally different boss. Some of the bosses are really nasty. Um, So it gives you some incentive to play it again as well. Well, you're you're still grinding through the whole. I mean, I mean, I'm level like thirty something right now, and the max level for a character is two fifty five. Oh wow! And so you can play (laughs) you can play harder difficulties and keep going and go for it. And then and then at the same time, uh, you can play with other people uh, however you want. Every if you if you can set it so every time you go through that portal, it jumps you in another person's game, and from that you so you complete the level. 
and after the level, once you're in that, that section of the game where it's kind of opened up, you can, you can either go, every other level, like you've played in the first kind of tutorial section of the first couple hours of the game, it sends you back to town, you identify your, your gear, you sell stuff, you repair your gear, you get your new quest. So when you're in the open part of the game, you can just keep going uh, and say, okay. just send me to another, and like, you get bonuses like you know, 150% gold if you do another level. Like keep going. So the idea is you can just keep going until you run out of items or you run out of durability on your equipment or you get killed. Um, over and over and over, and you can just rack up. I mean, the first time I did that, I doubled my money that I'd made oh, for wow. hours and hours. So I, I, I had like sixty thousand gold for like hour for playing like the first like chunk of the game. And my my first thing, I went through like four levels, and I came back with like sixty thousand just from that. Jeez. And and there's like a cooking mini game. Like there's tons of stuff. I mean, it's repetitive because it's a hack and slash. And you're doing the same, but it's fun. It's and like each character plays completely different. Uh, you know, you got a fighter, you got a dwarf that you know jumps around and throws throws hammers. You've got a wizard who can cast various spells. A sorceress has different spells and different kind of style to her. You got an archer that's an elf. Um, there's there's a lot in here uh, to play with, and um, and it lasts forever if you happen to like the gameplay. It, you can just go on and on and on. And then like once you're done with that, you've got five other character classes to level up through the whole thing again. And once you unlock the, the online and all that the first time, if you pick another character, you can skip oh, that's good. The, 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 you know, the, the story driven quest part of the beginning. You just jump straight to the part where you have to start collecting talismans if you want to do that. Um, is there a separate mode for playing co-op or are you playing through the same campaign when you play with other people? Uh, the, campaign, the way the campaign kind of works is it all, you bring all the stuff back to your town. Um, so basically, like as you go through the with a co-op online uh, game, like you 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 open the chests and chest gives you gives you a treasure of a particular rating, rated S down through grade E. And at the end of the level, you have all the all the each chest you open is a is an unidentified item with the grade letter grade on it, and you can choose to pay money to identify them or just sell them off. And so everybody gets that. Okay. So it, like you, everybody keeps their own loot. And you don't really get to get to kind of divide it up and, and see what you got until you've decided to say go back to town, and that takes you out of the co-op session. Okay. Um, so all the all the events that progress the story happen in town, and the town is always just you. Um, meanwhile, so like if I went to another person's game and we went through the B route of a of a level that I'd never gone through, at the end of that, if we beat the boss, I will get the talisman for that level. Um, it still counts. Okay. But I won't like. No consequences will come of that until I come back to my town and sort of like back to my home base and sort of like sort everything out. Now, does this include? Um, I don't even like, know if the game originally had any DLC. Um, I don't think it did. Yeah, I mean, it's a PS3 game. It had a lot. It had it's pat- before DLC's time. Yeah, it had patches. Not really. No, but. <laughs> it, 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 not at all. But like, it, it did not have any significant DLC as far as I can remember. Um, it uh, the online play is better here. It was very spotty in the uh, in the I mean, as far as game. lag and in, stuff like as, that. as far as like just getting into a game. Like, uh, here it's just boom, boom, it just goes. Like you wouldn't even know you're playing online sometimes, in terms of how long it takes to get into somebody's game. Um, it does have a lot of quality of life improvements that didn't happen in the PS3 game until a few patches had come through. Uh-huh. Um, so like like the, like what I said about skipping the the first part of the game that was not in the original game uh, at launch. They added that later okay. when they did, did some patching. Um, the, the saves are compatible with the PS3 version and the Vita version. Oh really? Uh, so if you how did they pull that off? How does it the, work? It's all through the cloud. Oh, okay. 
Um, so you just upload it to the cloud and, and uh, it can pull down the save. So you have you to go get. back on your PS3, get the save, yeah. upload it to the cloud, and then it'll go and latch yeah. onto it and pull it in. Now, if you if you were playing between the PS Vita and the PS3, you were already doing that. Right. So it may already be up there if you were if you were playing back and forth between portable and console. Um, but you can't, I did not do that because I didn't remember anything about what, <laughs> what I'd done. <laughs> so I just started over and that was fine. But you can, uh, you, you, if, you, if you were a Dragon Crown, Dragon's Crown fanatic and you played for like 100 hours, you want to lose that, that progress, it still counts. In fact, the trophies still count too. You, you, you don't start over with the trophies. It's all considered the same game. Oh, really? It's all, it's cons the, 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 all three versions are considered the are exact same Are you happy with game. that or would you rather be able to add to your trophy count I don't again? care about that. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that's nice about the trophy thing is like it, it proves that you're progressing. Right. But like it, it, the sense of progression in this game is pretty strong already, so I didn't mind it. How much is it? Uh, I want to say it was 40. And this is digital only? No, I think there's a physical version. Is there? I think so. I don't. I don't remember for sure. Is which... it worth forty bucks? I like it. I mean, it's... right? But is it worth forty bucks? <laughs> I. I th that seems steep to me. The trick to it is, like, I think there's nothing much else like it. Yeah. Like, I think the, the if I was if I I can't if you don't want to pay the forty bucks, I can't really tell you something else to buy instead. Yeah. I think that's kind of the key for me. Um, and look. If you don't want to pay forty bucks, I promise you this is going to drop in price real fast. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it'll if, be twenty bucks in three months. Yeah, it, well, I mean, not three months, but by Christmas, I think you'll be able to get it half price. Yeah, I, I think that doesn't seem you know doesn't seem un, unusual to me that you would get a, some pretty good deals on this come holiday season. Um, but if you like Dragon's Crown, I mean, I think I feel like this is mainly for people who like the original game and want to play it. You know, did the first game do that well? It had its niche. Yeah, it didn't seem like um, it was huge though. But I mean, vanilla. Like vanillaware. Vanillaware vanilla has its, stuff. Yeah, yeah vanillaware has its audience, and that's yeah. that. I mean, it's like Dark Souls. Like, there's, you know, I mean, Dark Souls audience is bigger, obviously. Well, it's like a lot of this game is published by Atlas. It's like yeah. a lot of Atlas games. It knows how big the audience is for each of those franchises, yeah, and yeah. it and it operates around those expectations. It does the uh, it does the Star Trek movie thing? Yeah, exactly. Where, uh, they knew exactly like, how okay, much, this is how exactly much we can with the budget, on it, and, and this, this is how many people will make. come see it, and like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what 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 about maybe for people who have never played Vanillaware games? Is this a good place to jump in? Do you think? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's I think it's easier to kind of get your head around all the systems than it is, and like, like and it's less repetitive in some ways than Odin Sphere because you can pick between. Odin Sphere requires you to slog through a lot of stuff uh, to replay the game as a different character. This one gives you a lot more freedom to just switch it up whenever you want. Um, the various characters you pick up because you can like have NPC characters that join you as co-op partners, or you can play online with people. Uh, and look, if you if you like kind of that Final Fight arcade beat 'em up thing, like this thing does it better than just about anything I've played since those days. I mean, wow. this is I mean it feels it feels on par with something like the old Streets of Rage games or Final Fight at least. It's I mean it's not even that it's simple. A pretty, it's, it's, that's it's a good a, endorsement. Vanillaware has a has a deeper combo system than most of those games did, obviously, but uh, um, I think it delivers just about every on every front. There, I mean, as far as that genre, is yeah. I mean, yeah. it's the only the only down, shortcoming I could see for anybody would be if, if you really don't like huge boobs. Um, <laughs> this game has a lot of that. Show me someone who doesn't. Like there's a huge um, there's, there's, I mean, there's a definite uh, influence of like Frazetta and yeah. kind of that that yeah. you know that sword and sandal barbarian sort of thing. Some people might find a little distasteful, but like. And it is pretty ridiculous. Like it, it looks kind of absurd, yeah. especially the sorceress looks ridiculous. But like, I like kind of the ridiculous, exaggerated thing going on. And like, you know, I, I play as the I think, as the. I think we all do. I play as the fighter <laughs> who is just like a giant. Like, 
he's a giant tank. You can see him there. He's a giant tank of armor. Yeah. But then when he takes his helmet off, you leave him idle for a while. He takes his helmet off, and he's a he's a beautiful young man with like flowing <laughs> flowing blonde hair that looks like he stepped out of a Sailor Moon episode. Yeah. And like, um, I thought that was I think that's pretty funny. He also has a much deeper voice than the face indicates he would have. But, yeah. uh, but I dig it. Uh, uh, if you buy this, do you get the Vita version as well? I don't think you do. No. Yeah, I kind of wondered. Did I wonder if back when it came out initially, was it a cross buy? I don't think it was. Okay. I, if I, as I, That'd be I a little recall, dicey if they. No, I recall it. being because there was that was a period where a lot of stuff was cross buy yeah. automatically. But I seem to recall you had to, these came out separately. On I think they did, and and you had to buy both. I think you had to buy both because I don't have the Vita version. And I think that's why. Gotcha. Or if I do have the Vita version, I got it like free or in some from PS Plus or something like did that. Did this come out for Vita? Yes. Pro, it did. Not Pro. Pro is the PS4. That's what version. I mean. Yeah. So they haven't re-released it. Mm, that for no. Vita. I okay. don't think I don't see why you need to. It already looks fine on the Vita. Yeah, and I guess the Vita ended up getting all the same updates as yeah. the PS3 version. The, the thing on this is just to have something you can play on the play it on the PS4 and something that supports like the Pro's 4K. Yeah, because I mean upscaling 2D stuff is sketchy at best. Tough, so, yeah. but they did a good job here. It looks good. It doesn't. It doesn't look like you know a, a cheap kind of uh, up-res job. It looks like they d d did it right. I haven't noticed, at least I haven't noticed anything on my 4K TV that's like, oh my god, that's, a, that's an old asset. It's like, no, it, all, it yeah. all looks really nice. All right, so there you go. Dragon's Crown Pro, only for PS4, right? Uh, yeah. Any rumblings of it coming to other platforms? I wouldn't think so. Yeah, I haven't heard of it. Vanillaware seems to stick to the PlayStation. I mean, uh, not, not to do the, the freaking perfect for Switch thing, right, but like yeah. it would be a good Switch game. Yeah, on the go, definitely. Yeah. I mean, right. you, the online would be sketchy, but like it's 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 a very good bite-sized game. Like you can just do one level and or a, a string of levels if you want, and like you're done. Go back, it auto saves. You're done. Turn it off. You know, you you played for ten minutes. You're good. You made some progress. Cool. So it would it would I mean it it, it worked well on the Vita for that reason, and it'll work well on the Switch for that reason. It would not know. surprise me if it's eventually announced for Switch. Yeah, I mean I don't know if van or where Vanillaware stands on that idea, but like or where Nintendo stands on. Uh, Actually, I guess we do know where Nintendo stands on giant boobs, considering Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. 100% okay. Runway's, oh, runway's <laughs> clear. Bring it in. All right. Well, it's another week, and we're getting close to E3, which means it's another week of rumors. And uh, there's no publisher or company in the industry that is more ripe for rumors and leaks than Nintendo. Seems um, like it. Can always go back and remember the Nintendo on... Remember the whole fake like Nintendo mm -hmm. console? The, that one got me a little bit. It I, got I, a lot of people. I felt like that could be a real thing. But here's the thing. I think that taught people some valuable lessons mm. because it did seem so believable. Because up until that point, we had never seen someone go so far to create a hoax. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a, it looked like a video that Nintendo had produced. It looked really professional. Yeah, that was not just EGM pasting Shenlong onto, no. a, onto a screenshot. No, whoever did that spent a lot of time on it and was, and was smart about yeah. it. I hope whoever did that has a good job now. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> guessing that they do. I wouldn't be surprised if Nintendo ended up hiring that person. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that is one of those instances from the past that has kind of put me on guard ever since, whenever it comes to stuff like this. Here's another example. So... Uh, this week, it was leaked. Uh, Nintendo, essentially the rundown for a Nintendo's Direct for E3 and the first day of stage demos uh, from the Treehouse when Nintendo does its live stream. And uh, 
I will say this, much like that Nintendo on video, whoever did this, if it is in fact fake, was very, very smart about it. Mm -hmm. um, it, right down to, okay, who are the people at the treehouse that always demo stuff at E3? Of those people, who usually handles the platformers? Who usually handles the action games? Who usually handles the M-rated games? All of it. The, it was just, if it's a fake, it was a masterful mm -hmm. fake. At the same time, in the words of Megatron from Beast Wars, when serving bait, presentation is everything. It is, yeah. Well, I mean, also, I've seen, that's the other thing that got me too, is that I've seen those sheets before. I've seen Nintendo's mm -hmm. work sheets and if you've seen them, other people have seen them. Oh too, yeah, so, oh, right, right. So it but could I'm be. saying, like, he's done his yeah. homework. Whoever, if if again, if, if it it's is fake, fake, well played. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's the best way to put it. So um, some of the games, I mean, you start going through them, they all do kind of make sense. Um, probably the biggest one, Punch Out, become a champion, mm -hmm. a new Punch Out game. Yeah, that's the other thing is like, and I know that people know this, and like some people try to kind of. Hit, if, like that title is just dumb enough to be real. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, yeah. like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a subtle Well, they way already of named doing the that. last one for Wii U. Was it Wii U or was it Wii? Wii, I think. Wii. Yeah. I mean, that one was already just the rebooted Punch right. Out. Or no, yeah. wait, was there a subtitle for that? I don't remember if there was a subtitle for that. I didn't, get in, I didn't get too far into that game. Yeah. I'm a huge... I mean, if you followed me for any amount of time, you know I'm a huge Punch-Out fan. I played that game. I played it, like, when we got, like, the preview code, I think. But when it came to really putting down the 50 bucks for it, like... Yeah. And then, of course, I it's, really it's like one it. of those games I'd pick up, like, real cheap, but Nintendo games never get real cheap. Right. So that was sort of the end of that. That might be a collector's item at this point, that game. A lot of Wii stuff is. You'd be surprised. Yeah. Um, and so this game, Punch-Out! Become a Champion... On the demo sheet, it was one of the games that the Treehouse is supposed to demo. And again, like the descriptions for what they were going to do for those segments were very well done. Uh, for this one, it talked about how there's a brand new combat system that, and that's what the de the crux of the demo is about, showing off that new com that new combat system for the first time. Because obviously, Punch Out mm. has kind of been the same for a long time. It's really kind of pattern memorization is typically what gets you through those games and being quick. Um, and so it. It looks like it's going to revamp the franchise if it is in fact real. Uh, F Zero S X, Switch X, I guess. Mm, well, I, don't they, know. I mean, look, they they had the uh, they have the. I mean, it's a pretty average extrapolation from the title in the previous ones. So, G X Zero was F Zero X G X G X. Well, G X was the GameCube one, and A X was the arcade one. Right. So S X would make it sense. Kind of, again, that's what I'm saying. Whoever did this, if it's fake, has really yeah. got all their ducks in a row. And um, I'd be, I'm on, I mean, I'm up for F-Zero whenever you want to throw it at me, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else? Fortnite on Switch, which, no brainer. Makes sense. I mean, it, it can absolutely run on Switch as well. I mean, it is one of those games that it yeah. does not push hardware to the limits on the system. I mean, you can run Unreal on that thing, so sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's a very simple art style. It's not really... Geometry heavy. Mm -hmm. uh, I very easily could get it to work. And why wouldn't Epic put it on Switch? Right. I mean, it. I think that's an absolute no-brainer. Um, and it again, it'll end up just generating megatons of revenue for Epic. Yeah. The on only Switch. limiting thing on it is you have to wait for the online infrastructure to be in place. Which I'm guessing it'll probably launch right around that time. About that. Yeah. I mean, I, I would think this could be a, maybe in October. You know, it would be a good launch thing. I mean, I don't know. 
I'm interested. I mean, put that I... out at the holidays, it becomes probably the best-selling Switch game of the holidays. Well, except it doesn't sell because it's it's free. Right. But like most money-making, I guess. But, like, but it's not all free, right? The Just battle, the battle, battle royale. Royal. That's yeah. the only thing anyone cares about. I don't know. I, I know some people that play the the other mode. Yeah, it, it's the it, battle royale. I mean, battle royale is what made it a, a sensation. Yeah, absolutely. the battle. I mean, they've changed the, the icon. I mean, it's just, yeah. it doesn't look. It's, it's battle royale now. Like, yeah. It's what, the, the rest of the game is basically an afterthought. They're still updating the other parts of the game, yeah. though. Um, they're still getting like new DLC and stuff like that. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people I know who love the Battle Royale mode use the other mode as practice. Right, yeah. Like, Less hectic, <laughs> like, so yeah. they can learn how to you build. You learn how to build and, stuff. and Yeah, yeah. I can totally see that. Um, Dragon Ball Fighters again, makes sense. That one... Why not? That one, I question whether it can run on Switch. I think it can, probably. I mean... Those are polygonal visuals. Yeah, but like it's not like they're crazy. It's not crazy tech happening. Well, it is also a fighting game, yeah. which means you're not drawing this vast right. environment. Um, but again, and there's probably ways to cheat if you really had to. But I don't. I, for what I mean, it looks good because it looks so much like the source material. But I don't feel like there's anything happening in this game that would be too much for the Switch to handle. And also, if I, if, I feel like if you're having frame rate problems in this game, it's not coming to Switch. So, no, you're right. uh, if they announce it, I'm sure it'll be fine. Like, and I remember, like, you know, Guilty Gear and Blaze Blue were running graphics not too dissimilar from this uh, on the last gen consoles. No, you're right. So, it's, you're right. I, don't, I don't, I don't see that as a, as a big, big stumbling. Point. Also, a perfect fit for the demographic of Switch. Yeah, I, I there's think a, so. I have a feeling there's a lot of Dragon Ball fans that own Switch. And it could be, you know, from the portability thing, which I don't care about, but like, you know, if, if you set this up well enough so that you could like. You know, be on a train and be playing kind of local local verses against other people with switches in the game. You know, that'd be cool. That would be cool. I mean, it's probably not too common here, but in Japan, I would imagine that's a more a more prevalent feature. Absolutely. Um, Metroid Prime Renegade. Mm. The whoever this is has assigned a subtitle to Metroid mm. Prime Four, which again, not surprising. No, I I do think it make it, I I would not be at all surprised if it was not called actually Metroid Prime Four. Yeah, because uh, you don't want to. I think slapping this... that four on there is a little. Yeah, you, know, you don't want to make people think like they need to play the other three. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. In fact, the, I remember that was even a problem for uh, The Witcher, where they were you know The Witcher Two. Everyone was worried about like oh we don't if we put The Witcher Two out on the on the 360 and people don't think they can play it because they haven't played The Witcher One and in, in the end it didn't matter. But um, it would make sense to me that they take the four out. Especially also because they probably, you know, I feel like this game, is, despite it containing the Metroid Prime name, is going to be different. There's, I also wonder, too, changes. if they might take the four out of there because it's not made by Retro. I don't think they care about that. I don't know. Given that number, though, Nintendo, that's, that's like the Nintendo stamp of approval in a lot of ways. No, it's not. Nintendo doesn't number their stuff hardly at all. Like they don't, they don't number the Mario games anymore. No. They don't number the Zelda games. They don't number anything. Yeah, really. I guess you're right. I mean, Pikmin's one of the only games that really gets serious. It has just numbers as to differentiate it. Yeah, that's uh, a good usually point. you just get a different weird name, which we're coming up on one uh, from for Yoshi. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, actually, let's just skip ahead to that because to me, the Metroid Prime Renegade was the one thing that kind of cocked my eyebrow. I was like, I don't know, that sounds a little fishy to me. But most people were pointing to. Yoshi's Flipping Island. Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, that's too, that's too edgy for Nintendo. But I don't think so. what people aren't real, and again, this is the genius of this, if, it's, if it ends up being fake, is that the new Yoshi game, the, the art style is a flip book. Right. 
that's what the game is. It's right. like it opens up and then the world pops up like a flip book. So again, if this person like... Mm -hmm. And it's, I can see that. And, I, and also like most... I mean, flipping as kind of a, a, meta, a euphemism for, for fucking is more of... Um, like I associate that more with like a stereotypical Welsh accent. Yeah. You know, like I, I, don't, I think a lot of Americans wouldn't even make that connection necessarily, yeah. especially when you just have everything flip, literally flipping on the screen in front, front of you. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's kind of the gentle sort of semi-edgy humor that Nintendo has sort of the Treehouse era has sort of wandered into. If you play yeah. like a lot of the kind of the the B list, for lack of a better term, kind of uh, the Mario and Luigi games, that kind of like that kind of humor is in there. Like like they 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 do. You know, there's a couple things in there for dad here and there. Absolutely. So I, I don't think this is a this is a, a killer for me in terms of plausibility for this list. I, I didn't think it was a killer at all. I was like, oh, I totally get that. I, I don't think that that's yeah. a red flag to me at all. I think that's exactly the level of kind of cutesy plausible deniability. Like, oh, what do you mean? Kind of thing. That, that, I think that makes that's one of the most believable titles on this list to me. Uh, Fire Emblem Memories. Sure. Nintendo I mean, loves its Fire Emblem anymore. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how big a franchise that has kind of turned into for Nintendo. Well, it just kind of sat there dormant for, like, ever. Yeah, well, I mean, not in Japan. It was pretty, pretty regular. Well, there was handheld games, but no real console games for, like, a really long time. Yeah, they made... They made it was on the Famicom, the Super Famicom, and uh, I don't think there was a, a N64 version. There was supposed to be, and it never ended up getting the, released. The, the main thing is just we didn't get any until after Smash Brothers made everybody go, like, who's this Marth guy? Yeah, no, you're right. And, yeah. uh, and suddenly you started getting the remakes on GBA and stuff, and yeah. uh, which is good, because I'm as a big Shining Force fan. I mean, it's not... As, I don't like it as much as I like Shining Force for the most part. Although it's hard to say now because Shining Force has been dormant for like 20 years. Yeah. Um, but I like Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem. I'll play whatever you want to throw at me Fire Emblem-wise. I was dumb enough to buy that Dynasty Warriors version. So, <laughs> sure. I'll, an actual Fire Emblem game? Sure, I'll take it. Uh, and then, this one's weird. Fallout 3. It makes sense to me. Does it? You ain't getting Fallout 4 on that system. So. Well, we'll talk a little bit later in the show about maybe how some of that stuff can happen but it'll never run natively no and fallout 3 i think would be an easy port and uh if you can why not yeah yeah it's, it's kind of you can kinda... squeeze another three hundred thousand sales out of it sure. why not sure which it probably would i don't i have no doubt yeah um, probably run really well and you're also that's kind <laughs> of bethesda's mo with yeah. switch so far i mean one is supporting switch but two it's pulling really old games um, I mean, this would be an old... I mean, that's a 10-year-old game. It is, yeah. Um, but you got to realize, Nintendo fans have n probably never played a Fallout, mm -hmm. ever. And you still have kind of that... Th you know, even when it's a ridiculous ancient port that, you, that people, you would think, already have one or two times all over on other platforms, you get the, the, that battle cry of, oh, now it's portable. Right. And, like, I don't care. But, yeah. like, people, somebody does. And yeah. That's free sales of a, for a game that you've had on the shelf for since 2008. Like, yep. yeah, it's a pretty good business move. Probably put a 20-man team on it for six months. And pretty good business move, and it also kind of keeps that sort of keeps the fire going in the sense of like, hey, Bethesda's here and they're not going away, and they're going to support this system. And that contract with Nintendo is going to keep getting re-signed until Nintendo gets tired of paying them for it, basically. Yeah, I mean, uh, I heard it's a good the, deal for Bethesda. So I, I heard through the grapevine that Skyrim sold around seven hundred thousand copies worldwide on Switch. Which is, I mean, that's not amazing, but it's not bad. Not bad for a game that the game you, has been you think would be done. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> they just squeezed another almost million sales out of that thing years and years you later. What I like to know is how many copies the VR version sold because yeah. like I I balk at paying sixty bucks again for that game on anything. Yeah. But for me, like a VR version of it for sixty bucks seems like a little more of a hey than yeah. a Switch version of yeah. it. Like. At least with the Switch version, you're getting a new copy of it on. To me, the VR version should have been an upgrade. Right. For they should be able to tell that you had it in your library, yeah. and then you automatically get to download. Like the uh, special edition was. Yeah. So for PC anyway. Yep. Uh, we were talking about Yoshi Slipping Island. Pokemon Let's Go. They're saying Pokemon for Switch ties into Pokemon Go in some way. Yeah, you got the portability aspect. I mean, you, you've got a downside in that you don't have like, you know, like an LTE network or something, but... It can't do AR either, to the best of my knowledge. Now, can you pair it with, um, with a phone? I don't believe all? so. I mean, maybe via Bluetooth? Maybe Does Switch have Bluetooth? I, yeah. Is that what connects the controllers? I think so, yeah. yeah. And may, maybe like a new kind of Joy-Con? Could be. Like some kind of... Well, the rumors were that there's another wrist worn device mm. that's going to come with the Switch version of the game. Well, I also heard, I was reading, I haven't paid a ton of attention to the rumors on this one, but like, there were people talking about like a Pikachu version and an EV version yeah. and stuff, like, and, and like, the detail on this seems so extreme that like, especially the EV version, because the EV is a popular Pokemon in the, in the Go community. Yeah. Um, it would make sense. But again, it might, I just, mean, it, it might just be the, the hoaxer doing his homework. It, it totally makes sense. Yeah. I mean, Pokemon Go is still gigantic. But that's also kind of like one of the only, only things that really kind of set my skepticism vibe off on this, this leak is so much of it makes sense. Right. Nintendo doesn't really do that. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, and so much of it is like, oh, that's a great lineup. Right. And like, you, and like I just... From, it's like a Nintendo fan's wet dream, Yeah, it's, it's like a dream Nintendo Direct for E3. And like, yeah. it's really going to be like, here's Animal Crossing. We might make Fire <laughs> Emblem in 2020. Here's Pikmin, um, finally. Here's a 20-minute demo of that stupid No More Heroes thing. Right. And like, you know, it's like, that's what I'm expecting. It's something yeah. like that. But this is a great list. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, and then Star Fox Lilat System, a.k.a. Star Fox mm -hmm. Grand Prix, which we talked about, was it last week or the week before? Yeah, last week. And like, what do you call this in Europe, I wonder? Well, now, there, there has been some new rumors about this as well, that it's actually more of like a traditional Star Fox game than people initially thought, uh, which to me is encouraging news. Right. Um, but yeah, that's the same game we I mean, discussed. I thought that Star Fox would, be, would go in the vault for another dec decade after Zero didn't, yeah, didn't and pan out. Rightfully so. Didn't pan <coughs> out. That's, that's putting it pretty nicely. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then the final game that was a surprise, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening 3D. That mm. also sent up some red flags for me. So that's like a like a remake of Link's Awakening in like a Breath of the Wild style kind of thing? I don't I don't I think it's for uh I don't know. Why would it be called 3D? Yeah. Well because Link's Awakening's a 2D game. Yeah. So like it's either you're talking about a 3DS version in 3D. That's is, what I was thinking. Well, that would be unusual because Nintendo hasn't really pushed the 3D thing right. for years. That's why I said it sent up a red flag. And like, well, they, well, to mean, me, well, no, they to, make 3DSs that aren't even 3D well, anymore. Right, but to me, the other thing the 3D could mean is it's a Switch version of the game that's been remade with the Breath of the Wild engine in a full polygonal, a full polygonal version of Link's Awakening, which is one of that the most... That would be freaking awesome. That would be a bombshell. <laughs> Absolutely. That, especially if it's this but year. If they talk about megatons at E3, that would be a yeah. freaking megaton. Especially because Link's Awakening... I mean, I'm not as big a Link's Awakening fan as some people, but like... I am. Um, I love... It's probably my top three Zelda games. One of my... See, one of my biggest surprises when I first got on the internet was how many people listed Link's Awakening as their favorite Zelda game. Yeah. Which I still find... In, I, don't, I, don't, I think it's a good middle of the road Zelda game. I don't find them. But like... 
I think you would make the fandom extraordinarily happy if there was just like a full-on like 3D remake of for the Switch. Um, that would be that would be uh, a lot of people's game of the show. I mean, I look, this list would be huge if this is true. <laughs> I mean, this is like this would be like Nintendo's best lineup in years, maybe ever. Yeah. Seriously, I mean, if, especially if Link, Link's Awakening 3D is a Switch yeah, game. Link's Awakening 3D sells me on a... I mean, Link's Awakening 3D would make me s- forgive them for a dumb Star Fox permutation yeah. in another damn Yoshi game. No yeah. problem. So, legit or not, Matt? Here's where you get to make your choice. Do you think it's real or do you think it's fake? Eh, I, I give it like a 30% chance of being real, but I really want it to be real. Yeah. Yeah. It seems too good. It is. I think you're right. You know, it's the old saying, if it sounds too good to be true, mm-hmm. it's probably not. And uh, I think this is, sounds too good to be true. Yeah. I do think if to, it's a masterful troll. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if it's not Whoever real. did this it is really, really good. They know Nintendo mm-hmm. really well. They know Nintendo's fans really well. Um, they have studied what Nintendo does at E3 uh, with exacting detail. Uh, if this ends up being fake, I hope that whoever did this comes forward so that we can all say okay nicely played Mm. even though it was all fake but uh it's smart i mean he mixes in the known with the unknown um it all makes sense in some leaves out some stuff that everybody thinks is a given yeah which like which gives that little twinge of disappointment that makes it feel genuine (laughs) It's, it's pretty good so uh regardless it would be nice to see all these franchises revived on switch and switch is is popular enough that that might actually happen like this may not be legit but it may be by the end of switch's lifespan we'll see all this stuff coming mm-hmm. to it eventually not these exact games but those franchises kind of returning to a nintendo console mm-hmm. which would be great so what about the chat what do you guys think real or fake what are they saying matt um i don't know no, no real, opinion. No real consensus. Uh, and then, you know, like, just people talking about, like, there's stuff in there that we know was coming. Yeah. Metro, obviously, Metroid Prime and Fire Emblem, um, Yoshi. Uh, just enough weird stuff mixed in. W. Matthew says it's capital F, fake. Nova Damas says fake. Super Cordon Blue says fake. Gerzilla says fake. Brandon2149, fake. Juan X Solo, flipping fake. <laughs> nice flipping fake. <laughs> so I feel like most of us think this is probably not real. Yeah, but it would be nice if it was. Why can't we have nice things, sifters? All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Rage Two, and we did talk about this last week. And I don't want to go back and talk about Rage One like we did because we kind of actually last week's discussion was kind of about Rage One and what we liked and didn't like and what we want to see change. Well, finally, Rage Two has been unveiled. Exactly mm-hmm. what the game is. Uh, they put out a gameplay trailer this week. Uh, that showed it off. An event, I mean, probably the best way I can describe it is that it's an open world doom. Mm-hmm. Um, they've already said no loot boxes in the game. <laughs> it's so funny now how publishers have to come out as soon as they announce a game and say whether a game has loot boxes yeah. or is not. Is this the first time in gaming history where not having a thing is an important bullet point? <laughs> Is there such a thing as a not not a bullet point? Yeah. Is that like something you can put on a box and be like, we do, this game does not have this. <laughs> like on the back, you have pluses and you have the minus loot box <laughs> loot boxes. Um, I, look, the teaser got me kind of excited for it. The gameplay trailer, I'm really jacked up for this for this mm-hmm. game now. 
I think it looks awesome. Uh, came out today that they're using the Just Cause engine for the game and not id tech. Very interesting. So no more mega textures. Um, although the mega texture thing has pretty much been, I think the Wolfenstein games kind of nailed that down. Although, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although again, the Wolfenstein games are not doing open world stuff, so maybe they, maybe that's a whole different ball game. But you know, I think the one thing about the Just Cause engine means uh, this game's probably pretty damn big. Yep, it can definitely draw huge, huge environments and still run pretty well. On I top just, of yeah, I just hope that they, they keep uh, the enemies are as interesting to fight as they were in the first. Does it look, it doesn't look like rage to me. Like, it's, to me, it's rage in name now. Yeah. Only. A little bit. I mean, the um, art style is pretty much completely well, also, different. Well, also, like, rage is kind of generic anyway. Um, I don't. I don't think Rage really had a very. Other than that one, you know, that one like mutant bald dude, like who also just sort of looked like the guy on the cover of the Borderlands right. cover with the mask off. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like there was a lot. And that, and I guess the wing blade was sort of iconic is not the word, but I would at least identify it, even though it was basically just a boomerang from the Road Warrior with another blade on it. Um, I feel like there's a lot of room to play with what Rage sort of set up because Rage was basically very generic sort of post-apocalyptic wasteland sort of thing. Um, so why not? Like, sure. Obviously still got a lot of vehicle stuff in it. Yeah, which I mean, that's, that's a good reason to use the Just Cause engine as well. Uh, there's a lot of flexibility there. Uh, much bigger, bigger enemies, more enemies. Like, see, that's the thing is I'm a little worried about. It's like the, the fights in, in Rage 1 had to be kind of small sc smaller scale because the enemies were so smart. Oh, well, they'd destroy you if it was yeah. more than a couple of them, yeah. And this looks a little more like your standard sort of open-world shooter. Um, I'm just, I'm curious if there's enough meat on this rage bone to uh, attract people's attention, because it, it, it could really easily feel generic. Um, but then you wonder if there's like a thirst for this kind of thing in the, in the wake of Fury Road. Um, I mean, it looks like a Mad Max. It looks like yeah. the Mad Max game that should have been made. Probably. <laughs> and then, the, you know, there's a little bit with um, where they're showing kind of the, the game show, like this thing here with yeah. the, the game show, thing, which is also part of, uh, that was, I think that was the mobile game of Rage. Yeah. Um, the idea was like you're on the kind of this, like, the running man sort of thing. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, uh, yeah. I'm more, I, I don't know. It's hard more, to say. It's I'm hard more excited say. for this than I was the original Rage. Yeah, I think it looks far more interesting. I mean, as someone who plays just about anything with a big map and icons on it, I'm sure I'm probably in for this. Like, you know, like um, it's just it's curious to try and like. Kind we of, have like the bounding, yeah, it's gameplay just, elements which weren't in the original Rage. It's just weird to kind of think about how. I mean, I'm, I think they needed to remove it from the first Rage, uh, especially if ID wasn't going to make it. Um, and it's, it's, you know, maybe, maybe Bethesda needs sort of like a, like a Fallout gone crazy action game like, like this. Maybe that makes sense for them, for their portfolio. I it don't know. reminds me a little bit of what Bethesda did with Prey. Yeah. It started Prey as one thing, and then it brought it back, and it was like, it was basically only Prey in name. Mm -hmm. It had some subtle elements that were similar that it kind of carried over, but for the most yeah. part, like... But it didn't call it Prey 2. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, but I would also say that Rage 2 looks a little closer to Rage 1 than yeah. Prey did to what yeah. Prey originally Well, Prey, was. I mean, the last year's Prey is unidentifiable compared to the original Prey. Right. Um, not that that's a negative thing, right, necessarily. Right. Um, this, I, I, see, I mean, I see the connection here, but it's just like you wonder, 
you wonder desert what, buggies. Desert buggies, raiders. Uh, That's probably, about it, though. There's probably a couple like the the boomerang thing. Yeah. And uh, have fun, I yeah. guess. You know, sure. it looks it looks fun. I thought that trailer was very well cut together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you watch it over and over, like he just like Sam just rolled it twice there. I noticed stuff the second time I watched it that I didn't notice the first time I watched it. Um, it looks like it's pretty varied, and the gameplay is different. Huge creatures to tackle. I'm always a fan mm-hmm. of that stuff. Um, I did think the world they set up in Rage One was interesting. Like, like and they didn't really explore it much. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's there's not a lot of world building beyond that. Those first early scenes where like, oh, asteroid destroyed stuff. It's a hundred hundred years later. Uh, now you're up. Uh, come help us find water. You know, it's like okay. And don't really go any further than that, but the idea of sort of exploring how this world has evolved and, and what it is now uh, could be interesting if that's kind of the direction they're going to take it. Like, certainly that looks like, you know, much more expansive than anything in the first game. Well, also the era seems way different. Like, we just saw a guy with, like, a baseball cap there. I mean, mm-hmm. the first game, that sort of fashion wasn't even... It was even a figment of the imagination in yeah, the first was, game. People were dressed kind of normal in some in some were of the. Were they? Yeah. I don't remember that at all. Like John Goodman's character is just in like a windbreaker or something. Not everybody's wearing like crazy metal spikes and shit. Yeah. Um, I mean those guys Which are those guys did. are wearing German helmets from World War II. Right. I don't know where they're finding <laughs> yeah. this stuff. But. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm excited for it. Um, if I had to put out a top thirty most anticipated games, this would probably make the list for me. And again, I was a big fan of the first game. Not that I think this looks anything like that, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I recognize that one bald guy with a spiky collar. Like, that's definitely a Rage character. But, uh... I wonder if it'll tie into the first game at all. I'm sure it'll be in the same world. Right, maybe but I like... wonder if there'll be references back to or any of that know. kind of stuff. I, I, maybe it'll do that thing where, like, you know, one, one of the quest lines is given to you by the main character of the first game. Or something, you know, like, that kind of... That's how they bring stuff. If I saw that in State of Decay 2, uh, the annoying girl on the, on the radio from the first game shows up to do like some guest spots on the radio in State of Decay 2 talking about how everybody, you know, we're still out here and we're still keeping the faith and stuff. And it's just like, you know, sometimes all you need to do is just kind of throw a bone continuity wise to the first game. And that's good. Enough. That's good enough. Yeah. So uh, we'll be getting a lot more on Rage 2 at E3. It's one of Beth- one of two games that Bethesda is going to really focus on a profile. Uh, Bethesda has been saying that this will be its longest E3 press conference ever. Mm-hmm. Um, yet it only seems like it has two games to feature. Yeah, so there's gonna be more which, in there somewhere. Yeah, which also a real means long it, feature on the Elder Scrolls card game. Right, or <laughs> maybe games like Rage Two are really gonna get a massive blowout. That could be. So I think we'll know a lot more after E3. But I'm I still think excited. Bethesda, like their internal studio, I think Bethesda Game Studios has some. They gotta have, have to. something. They have to, right? You'd think. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> At some point, they need income, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. At well, least everything else they're publishing is just sort of not moving the needle. I mean, they've banked. A, they have a plenty of money, and they don't. They're not a, a publicly held company, so they right. don't have to answer to shareholders. As long as they have to pay everyone salaries, they can do whatever the hell they want. True. And I'm sure those Nintendo games are helping. Yeah. It's got to be a lucrative deal. You sell. Seven eight hundred thousand copies. Well, of I don't think it's, I don't game. think it's the sales that are doing it. Oh, uh, you think? Uh, I think Nintendo's paying them to put probably because that's how you that's how you do that. That's how it works. Yeah. That's how Sony took and the industry smart. over. I mean, if I were Nintendo, that's one absolutely. of the publishers I absolutely would have went after to do that stuff. So yeah, yeah. And then but you go after more. Then right, and then ultimately you sell a million copies. It all works out pretty well mm. in the end anyway. So uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see if that list earlier of leaks was accurate if we end up seeing Fallout 3 for Switch at mm-hmm. Nintendo or we see it at Bethesda as well. 
Because it could be a case where Bethesda breaks that before the Direct even comes out. Yeah. Because Bethesda is one of the earlier press conferences. They were and Fallout 3 would be interesting, too, because, I mean, there is no Fallout 3 for PS4 and Xbox One, unless there's a backwards compatible on Xbox One. I can't remember. Might be. Might be. Probably is. I, I don't, actually, I don't think I've seen it. I can't remember. But, uh, you know, if they do a little, little tweaking, a little Generation upgrading. 8 exclusive. Right. Well, no, <laughs> do a little tweaking, a little upgrading, like, you know, make it look a little better. Like, here's Fallout 3 for, you know, here's our remastered Fallout, Fallout 3. Fallout 3 should run okay on Switch. I would hope. Yeah. Fallout 3 should run on a toaster. Yeah. Fallout 3 should run on my phone. <laughs> on, I your, mean, on your refrigerator. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's entirely plausible. Yeah. You, I don't know if you watch Silicon Valley or not, but... What like they 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 show how even refrigerators in this day and age have like CPUs powerful enough to do like crazy stuff, especially if you mm -hmm. chain them all together in like a cloud or whatever. Oh, yeah, well, you can run Doom on just about anything. You can run yeah. Doom on microwaves now. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a game. This is one of those smaller games uh, that we want to bring your attention to. You may, if you're on Sifted, you may have seen uh, some reviews for this going up. It has been scoring sky high. Uh, and I texted Matt today, I'm like, hey, what have you been playing? I was pleasantly surprised that he has been playing Forgotten Anne. And maybe you can tell me why they've misspelled Forgotten in the title. No, I can't. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea either. Um, in, the, in the logo, when the title pops up, the O is shaped, I believe, like the little device she has on her hand. Uh, um, I don't know if that matters or not, but I'm they not... They could have used the first O for that, though. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I don't know if if there's a uh, if there's a, a significance to it. I don't know what it is yet because I'm not done with it. So Forgotten Anne is a and look, I haven't played it, but I'm I'm assuming it is a side-scrolling puzzle platform adventure. Yes, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, similar shades of uh, Prince of Persia. Really? I would say in terms of like the jumping. The old and, school Prince of Persia. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean not is like you're not going to die by falling off a ledge, but like like right there. But it reminds me of them. It's, it's that kind of thing. The animation is sort of on par. Um, there's no combat so far. It's all puzzle solving. What's um, the story? So, um, still piecing some of that together. I'm only like two hours in. Okay. Um, so it, it begins. So, so the game's all hand animated. Um, this is good and bad in some ways. You can see it looks it looks beautiful it in the, the gameplay. The actual game. story, like cinematics, are a little rougher. Um, but it starts with, um, uh, it's showing just people in, in a city, like on people on cell phones crossing the street, you know, cars honking, people, you know, do, do, like doing all technical things. And it shows a guy getting ready to go to work and he's, he's putting his, his socks on and he goes to find his other sock and he can't find it. It's under the bed. It's kind of a POV shot from under the bed with a sock in the foreground. And he, he just goes, whatever. And he gets up and, and leaves. And suddenly the sock gets sucked through a portal and ends up in this world uh, where this is this world that she's in is where all the lost objects go. <laughs> so all my so, so all my socks are all your somewhere. lost socks. All this, <laughs> every every anything that it seems to be any object that people have forgotten about. And so, and when, when they end up there, they become sentient. I probably so, have a few gloves there too. I'm guessing. So and and so you see that you follow this sock. And he ends up... He, oh, he, you actually follow a sock. Yeah, and the sock... Because the so <laughs> I mean, as soon as the sock goes through the portal, suddenly it's falling into this lake, and it starts to scream. Oh, well, that's funny. So you're like, oh, okay. use the sock as, yeah. like, the example. And so you follow the sock, and it ends up in this, like, kind of, like, line where this, like, other... It's, like, uh, uh, like a department store dummy, like, sorts all... Is sorting all the various objects into, into different lines and different places, and 
It's like, okay, over here, get your sticker. You're going to be at the factory. You're going to be over here. You find a job over here. Da, da. And so you still, and then it cuts to um, uh, these other objects, like basically like blow up this building. And you cut to Anne waking up in her bed in this tower. And you slowly piece together, basically. So she is called the Enforcer. Okay. Uh, she is the, the adopted daughter, it seems, of Master... Uh, I can't remember, I can never remember his name. He's this, this old man who's, who's like kind of the dictator of the whole place, and his name is Master Bl Bronca or Bronco, I don't know. Uh, Blongo, I can't remember. Um, and so she is kind of the, the Gestapo for this world. So that thing on her arm, on her hand, absorbs what's called anima. Anima is the power that powers everything. Anima is also the life force of the inanimate objects here. Okay. If she wants to, she so did can, she just use anima yeah, to, to animate, to animate that thing? Got, so got she it. can use she can use the thing on her hand to kill uh, these 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 objects and um, suck the life out of them. So is she the bad guy? You don't know yet. Ah, and the thing interesting. is, the thing is, as you talk to these guys, um, you can basically play it either as there's dialogue choices, and you can basically play it either as a hard ass like you know, do what I say, I am in charge, or you can play it more empathetic. Huh. And, like, the first the first encounter with... So there's a rebel faction that, like, the guerrilla group, like, blew up this thing and they're trying to sabotage. So you're, you and the old man there, the master guy, you're build, they're building this bridge that's going to take them back to what's called the ether, which is their real world. So they're going to be able to come back, go back home. And... <laughs> So all the socks will reappear in people's drawers. Right. So so the idea and so like and, but like they rule this world. So like the people the, the the objects the inanimate objects like they all wear these stickers that say that they have this job or whatever job. And some of them have been chosen to come back and some of them have not. Yeah. And if they if they misbehave, they'll get booted off the train. And there's ones that don't want to come back because they age and turn into crystal. And like at one point you meet this old steamer trunk like on the train and he's like got a really old man voice and she's like i'm sorry i gotta look inside you because we're in a crisis right now and he opens up and it's just all these crystals and she's like it's all his friends that oh. he came there with that had crystallized because when you oh, die man. of old age as an inanimate object a forgotten lane i think they call them uh a forgot lane or something like that is uh, and they they uh, crystallize and so this old chest is walking around with his, fri his friend's, friends corpses inside, inside him, him. <laughs> oh, God. and um and she's like i'll crazy. make sure i'll make sure you get like a ticket to go on the bridge to go home and he's like oh my owner's long dead I, i'm just gonna stay here and die uh. and like and so the the and so that's like his, her friend this game is crazy <laughs> that's her friend the lamp that runs this outpost and like you can you can choose to either like tell your master father guy like um, that it was her fault that this happened, or defend her, and like that. And, so, and like the first uh, early on, like a rebel scarf breaks into your house, and you're not sure it's a rebel or not. <laughs> and in the end, like I didn't believe him, and I killed him. Like I sucked the life out of him. Uh -huh. um, but it's like it pops up a thing that says this could have gone differently. Uh, so okay. you can you can play it as like you, you can murder anything like in the game. Like you can just start because you need the anima in your thing to solve the puzzles. Gotcha. And uh, the other thing you have is these, these mechanical wings, which let you super jump and jump really far. And if you don't have the anima in your hand device, uh, you can't use them, uh, which means you... So basically part of the puzzle thing is running around finding um, you know, sources of this stuff to absorb so you can power things or jump all across it. But you can also just kill things and take it. Right, so from there's a moral side of it where little you bit, can take yeah. the easy way out and now, kill. Now, I haven't been doing that because uh, it's, you have a horrib conscience. it's horribly sad. <laughs> um, 
So it's interesting. Like it's it's got. So you can see here she's doing the super jump stuff. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of platforming like this. It reminds me a little of, of uh, kind of a flashback uh, uh, Prince of Persia kind of. It's thing. automatic though, right? No, it's it's all controlled. You're actually controlling oh, the yeah. jumps. Like I mean, the the jump from the with the wings is. Um, is a, a preset arc, but you have to be moving forward and you have to oh, like okay. time it properly. Uh, and then also you can do it while you're sprinting. So that changes if you're jumping off things like that. And then most of the, the, the puzzles seem to be about taking power from this and putting it over here and moving the power thing so the power goes over here instead and then activating that and then going back, you know. It, it's fairly simple sort of switch and circuit puzzles so far. Um, but it's getting more and more complex. The first com mildly complex thing they throw at you is a, a time-sensitive train tr train puzzle. Um, but it's, the world is very compelling. Like it, it reminds me. Of, it's got a little bit of Studio Ghibli. To I love it. the animation in the game. Um, but it also reminds me of the Brave Little Toaster. <laughs> if anybody <laughs> has seen that one, uh, not just in the sense that it's inanimate objects talking, alive, yeah. but just the darkness of it and sort of the the undercurrent of like these are these things are owned and some of them don't want to be, and some of them want desperately want to be, and they can be destroyed at any moment, and the humans in this don't really mourn them. Like, they, you know, like, like the, the, the master... Well, they're even, inanimate objects. But they're also <laughs> sentient creatures in right. this. And like, and like the, you know, I mean, she's friends with that lamp. Right, right. And like, <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the master even says, like, don't let this get in the way because they are not real things. Right. They, are, they are not people, they're things. And uh -huh. it's like, well, what's the line there? Right. And like, these, clearly these objects have their own lives in this world, and they, you know, and, and some of them desperately want to get back to, like, there's a thing where, like, what, that, that shoe actually, is basically is basically desperately trying to fix this pipe and can't because that's not the problem. But like he says, like he's like, we have to go back. I can't wait to go back and feel a foot inside me again. <laughs> and it's just like, man, this is freaking weird. Wow. Yeah. And um, well, imagine if at the end of the game you're like you're playing kind of the passive role, mm -hmm. like you have the whole, and then it ends up just totally burning you. Yeah, I don't know. Like. That's one of the things I like about this is I have no idea where this game is going. Yeah, I can, I can and see why. It's it's just it's it's a very original world that seems to be kind of constructed out of about four or five different like dark animated children's movies from the late seventies and early eighties, which yeah. is exactly my you know right in your wheelhouse. It's right. It's right. In, it's it's that the the tone is right there with like. Um, get ready to Google, people. Uh, <laughs> it's right there with the Secret of Nim and yeah. uh, the Brave Little Toaster and the Mouse and His Child, uh, Hugo the Hippo. That kind of, kind of. There was this period in the late '70s where children's animated films that weren't from Disney were kind of like Ricky Ticky Tavi. Ricky Ticky Tavi. They had this kind of darker substance to them, and some of them really felt like disturbingly weird and like i mean i watched some of the stuff. watership down watership down's a yeah. good one plague i mean plague dogs is not really for children but watership down it was bunnies and people showed kids that all the time and there's some really violent there's stuff some in dark that. stuff in that yeah um so it's it, i feel like it comes out of that um that pedigree to some degree and i love that yeah. uh the the animation in the in the the full animated cutscenes a little rough, but the animated it's, the animation in the actual game is gorgeous. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, the acting's the voice acting's very good. Um, the puzzles are, are are the puzzles are gentle but but firm. Um, <laughs> and, now, and right? maneuvering around the world is really cool. Like you go you, you know you, you you run back and forth, but you also go up and down the stairs. And some of the puzzles are like. 3D mazes in a 2D space. You have to go up the stairs into this building and over here and then forward down these stairs and past this place. And like navigating the, the world is like actually really interesting even though it's just like side to side and up and down. Um, 
and like you'll meet all these characters, like these what these objects are, and like you know, the, like there's a gun that is the the poli the sheriff, the marshal <laughs> guy, course. and like you 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 know, like up there you've got like a welding torch that's just sort of hanging from the from a string and like welding things as he. It's, it's like it's just, it's strangely comic and and whimsical, but it also has this really dark undercurrent, and uh, it doesn't. It also keeps reminding me of um, not gameplay wise, but it reminds me of uh, that that game that never came to pass, uh, City of Metronome. Oh yeah, remember that? I was like that was like one of those like hidden gems things people kept talking about from E three for a couple of years, and then it just vanished, and that company did something else. I think. Yeah. Um, How but, much was it? Uh, I think it was twenty. I think it was a little oh. steep, maybe. I. I don't feel. I mean, I think it was seventeen bucks on Steam. It was like it was like you know, launch ten percent launch discount yeah. or something. But it's also on Xbox and uh, and PS4. I think they're full price. It's full price there. Um, Sixty bucks? No, like nineteen oh. ninety. It's not. It doesn't <laughs> it's have. Like, the, it doesn't have the ten percent discount on that. Right. Right. Um, but I think you know. I like these kind of games, uh, and I like this, the art style and the tone. I mean, there's nothing else like it. Uh, I have zero regrets, even at this point. I'm not remotely done with it, but I, even at this point, Already, I, I you feel have like no you got regrets it, your for paying worth. 20 bucks for it. That's great. No question. Um, I can see why it's getting such high reviews. It's, it's, it's unique. It has unique ideas. The gameplay is a well-worn sort of style, but it's from a diff couple of different genres, and it all comes together really well. Um, it does. It, so far, it's pulling off everything it, it accomplishes. If, this, if the ending isn't, isn't a complete train wreck, uh, this is this is um, arguably like, if not game of the year question at the very least. Like, I'm having. I don't know if this counts as an indie game because Square published it. Yeah, well, um, no, it is an indie game because Square published it, but it published it under its indie imprint. Okay, yeah, Square uh, Collective, right. or whatever that is. Yeah. Okay, so so put it this way: at the end of the year, when we do our game of the year episode. Uh, the gauntlet is thrown for best indie game. Interesting. So far, I mean, there's wow. always a chance for this thing to, you know, come yeah. apart at the seams yeah. as we move forward. But so far, I am super down with Forgotten Anne. Well, I think I'm going to buy it just so I can find the car keys I lost back in 1993. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's the other, and that's the other. So everything that gets lost in this is like, it's all like it's like you know animate. And so like early on, I'm like, well, wait, like she has a, a lamp on her desk. Where'd she get? What's that? Is that? Oh, she killed it! <laughs> like that's it must. Be, you, you have to assume that any equi right, any, any equipment is, right. a, is just like an object that they because if if an if, if an object disobeys or do, or do, screws up, they send it to the factory, oh. or they or she just like sucks the light. That's how you. There's at one point you can uh, interrogate some uh, one of the objects by trying threatening to suck the life out of it, and it turned. out, I I'm not sure because I killed him before because he's at some point he finally confessed. And I don't know if I let go of the button if he would have lived, but I, he died. Yeah. I, I, he confessed before he died, but he did die. Yeah, wow. Um, and I don't know if there's going to be consequences to all that later. Probably, if some something like that. But like, um, I'm fascinated. Like, I'm fascinated by it. After talking with you about it and watching all the B-roll, I'm in. I will go and pick this one up. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, some uh, sifters watching this will uh, follow suit. I mean, I picked it up mainly because I looked. I'm like, oh, I like that art. I like the way it looks. Yeah. Uh, but like, the art is like third or fourth thing I like the best about this wow. game so far. There you go. Hopefully, we just turn you on to a game you guys might like. Uh, Got to move on. We're going to talk next about something that may change everything for Switch. I hinted at this earlier. Uh, we were talking about all oh, Fallout 4 never playable on Switch. Well, something happened over the last couple of days that may change <laughs> all of that. Uh, Capcom is bringing. Uh, Resident Evil 7 to the Switch 
But the catch is, it's a cloud-powered mm -hmm. game. It's a streaming game. But does it matter? Yes. In what way? What do you mean? Does it? What do you mean? Does it matter? Like... Does it matter that it's streaming instead of? being rendered in real time by I Switch. think so. I mean, if it works, obviously. It, right. It'll matter if the stream, su if it sucks right. and it doesn't... Well, I think it matters right. in the sense that it kind of torpedoes the portability idea. Yeah, because you, you obviously like, you need to be near Wi-Fi. Yeah, or... you can't... I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure people, people have been asking for Resident Evil 7 on the Switch, but I don't think they meant, like, please give me Resident Evil 7 on the Switch, but don't let me leave my Wi-Fi hotspot. Like, that's... Yeah. It, it's, and it's, like, one thing for, like, you know... Yes, you can't. You, the same deal applies to something like Splatoon 2, but Splatoon 2 is a multiplayer game that you kind of accept that from, whereas Resident Evil 7 is an entirely single player game. It is. That, like, doesn't really, isn't really what you, what you, you, know, you don't have that understanding with it. And on top of that, like, you've got, you know, you get the whole subscription service idea, and it also means that there's something you can spend money to play on the system that, like, one day will not be yours to play anymore. Like, you won't be able to keep it and download it or whatever. Not announced um, for the US yet, by the way. No, only in Japan. And in Japan, it makes a little more sense because their infrastructure is much more uh, geared to support something like this. Um, whereas like I, in, in America, I feel like our, our, wife, our speeds are much more variable and I've not had very good experiences with uh, streaming games. Me either. PlayStation Now is borderline non-functional in a lot of games for me. Depending on what genre it is, absolutely yeah. non-functional. Uh, and uh, I haven't played Resident Evil 7. I don't know what kind of split-second reflexes it requires. Eh, not. No? No, it's not that bad. Um, I just, it's, it just, it kind of feels like Capcom throwing in the towel. You know, it's like, we can't get this to work on this system. So here, how about this? But... You know? Especially on the system, you know, I, I, obviously they're different games, different developers. It does, it's not an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. But the thing runs Doom. Yeah. Why can't it run this VR game? Yeah, I mean, Doom doesn't look like Doom. I mean, they ob no, obviously I mean, they, the frame rate's cut in half right. and the details. Cut well, then back. do that with this. But here's the thing about Resident Evil Seven: is that it's not really all that good looking of a game no. in the first place. No. It, you can tell it was built so it could run on PlayStation VR. It mm -hmm. held it back, I think, a great deal. Still looks which good. I, which I think is why a lot of people were kind of assuming there was a Switch version possibly in the cards. Because it, it does seem like it, it might be possible for it to run on Switch. Yeah. Maybe you're making concessions. Maybe it runs at a really low resolution, even in handheld mode. Like, but um, this is a weird stopgap maneuver. Um, that. But it may not be a stopgap. It may be... The, the gap filler, like the permanent gap filler, because there's no way Switch can run most PlayStation 4 and Xbox oh, One games. But, but like, now, all of a sudden, it might be possible. But it doesn't matter, because you can't, it's not portable anymore. But you, you yourself say you don't care about the portability. Right, and go look at the layer of dust on my controller. Like, right. I don't use the system, but there are people who use it daily, but they use, every single time I see someone talking about how often they use their Switch, they're talking about how, using it on the go. On they're their, talking about having it portable. Whatever, yeah. And if you take that away, I don't see how this does them any good. I think there's a lot of Switch owners that would be more than happy to be able to play all the third-party games for PS4 and Xbox One only on their TV. Mm. I think... All, I think most Switch owners are absolutely fine with this. If it's this or not being able to play those games at all, they're going to take this. I don't. Think, now look, we're extrapolating this out. There's I don't think no, that's necessarily true. There's no true from evidence that any other publisher is planning on doing this, or that this is even coming here. Right. Because um, this is a much more viable solution in Japan. 
But PlayStation Now hasn't taken off either for the exact same reason. Is it just doesn't work properly, especially yeah. if you don't have a wired connection. And like, I don't know about anybody else. The Wi-Fi on my Switch is garbage. Like, it doesn't even work in the other room. You can wire and your Switch, though. Yeah, and but since like, you're you only going to be playing it on a TV, you're not going to take right, it Right, but that, what I'm saying is I'm not typical of that. What I want doesn't matter here. I am like 6% of the Switch audience. Everybody else uses it as a portable system right. for the most part. And, like, I mean, I, it takes three times as long to download the same amount of information out here in the main Wi-Fi area as it does for the other systems. Yeah. Like, it's, it's really slow, and I don't know if that's, like, universal or just because, you know, that's how our infrastructure works here in America, whatever. Um, I don't see this as being a viable solution for the way most people seem to use their Switch. I think it's a stopgap measure that is better than nothing, for sure, but you've got the problem of, you know, I've already been watching people complain about it on Twitter and talk about it on Twitter and various forums and such, and you've got camps where people are like, yeah, it's better than nothing, but you've got people that like just don't want to pay a subscription fee for something they don't own, which I understand. It's also kind of my issue with PlayStation Now. Yeah. Um, people who are like, I play my Switch on the train, and if I can't play it on the train, I don't care, and I certainly don't trust the Wi-Fi on the train to be able to stream you know, something like that properly. Um, it doesn't... It... I think that camp, though, I think that camp of people are the people who are not hardcore Nintendo fans that bought a Switch. I think hardcore Nintendo fans I are think... playing their Switch docked. No. They're playing it in the no. car. No. Yeah. Read hardcore Nintendo fan forums for this thing. They all play it handheld. It's all handheld. The point is handheld. If you su I have suggested in some of those threads and seen people suggest in those threads of like, hey, I would buy like a Switch Pro, like a, like a Switch that's just a just, console, does not docked. have the handheld yeah. thing. It's just, it's more powerful. It hooks to the TV. It never comes out of it. It's, it's a dock with a Switch welded into it with more power and it runs things better. And people will rip your head off. But don't that. you think that that's just Nintendo fans defending Nintendo? No, I think it's Nintendo fans. I absolutely Well, think yeah, it is. it is, but the point I is... I think it's them just saying Nintendo can do no wrong. And, and Nintendo been, wanted this to be a hybrid system. And I'm telling you that I use it as a hybrid system. But they've also switched to the narrative that it's a handheld system. Because that's the only way you get away with something this weak. Yeah. And that, that's how you end up but here. But I think but still, you, but you're ultimately, not... they play... If they're at home, they play, the, play it docked. And when they're on the road, they play they it don't. as a handheld. They don't. Why would they do that, though? Because That's so dumb. I don't know. I have that same question. But, man, all I can go by is what these people say online, and they say they play it handheld, even when they're home. That's insane. I mean, some, some of it is because, you know, roommates share televisions right. or families share televisions, and at least with the Switch, they never have to... They can play it whenever they want, so they right. just play it like that. Or they prefer to wear the headphones, or they think it looks better on the handheld screen because it's smaller, the resolution problems aren't as obvious, and it runs it, sometimes they run at a better frame rate. You know, it all depends. There's, or they prefer to just have it there, you know, like, but, but you, almost semi-universally, I mean, like 70, 80% of the people I see just say, I always play it handheld. All I do is play it handheld. That's insane. I agree, but like, <laughs> the, my point is not that that's what I want to do with it. My point, I mean, if I were interested in the streaming idea, that would solve my issue completely because I never take it out of the dock. It would be fine. I could w wire it up and that would be the end of it. But, like, that's not what the majority of Switch users seem to use their Switch for. I still think, though, if you start putting out big third-party games on Switch and you can only stream them, I think they will absolutely 
dock that console and, and play those games. I just I feel they've it. been envious of these games for like sort literally of, like three generations. Yeah, but nev never underestimate the barrier of that subscription fee. If yeah. like, if you don't, how much is the subscription fee? I in think Japan? it was twenty something for like a month. Months. I don't remember what it was. That's insane. It was a high price. It, it was, was like five bucks a month. I can't remember. It was I saw the the like twenty twenty bucks for something. I can't remember what span of time it was. Is this? Uh, but what I'm saying is. Uh, the subscription fee for something you don't own, and will maybe eventually will eventually go away when you know this you know the Switch isn't going to last forever. PlayStation yeah. Now is going to last forever, and eventually that's going to go away. And all these games you played or like you paid you paid this money for is going to vanish like like that. And there's people, especially Nintendo. I mean, one of the reasons people like Nintendo stuff is Nintendo puts out physical versions of the things they put out hardware. You know, it's it's it, you know Nintendo's some of the last consoles where you really feel like you still own. The you know the products you buy, and <laughs> except like, you have to buy them three times over. Well, yeah. I yep. mean, in all honesty, I say that the opposite. I feel like with Nintendo, I don't own something because right, even if you, I own it now, right, but in you, four years, I don't own it anymore. Right, but you see that. That's not what. That's not the perception of the fans. Uh. Uh, the fans want that physical card. They don't want to download. So I can't blame them for not wanting to download stuff because they have to buy a much bigger SD card if they do yeah. that. Um, well, I mean, streaming solves that problem, too. It does. But Is like, this a proprietary Capcom thing? I have no idea. I don't know if anybody has any Because idea. if Nintendo's involved with it, that changes everything. If mm. Nintendo is the one working on this service, then I have pretty good hopes that it might end up coming to the U.S. I haven't seen anything one way or the other on that. I feel like if Nintendo were working with that, this we would not know about this yet. Yeah. Because that would seem like something they would be keeping to themselves. It seems like something they'd announce at E3. Yeah, this might just be Capcom going rogue. It, that's what it sounds like to me. So. Because if, if Nintendo was working on it, it would hold it, it would announce it at one of its mm -hmm. own, on its own direct, but or at E3. Although to be fair, it's not the only uh, Switch game doing this. Oh, there's Fantasy, Fantasy Star, Fantasy Star Online, Online 2. 2 does this too. Yeah. Although again, a game that with the you know pre-existing understanding that this need, you require an online connection to play this thing. Yeah. Resident Evil Seven does not have that. Resident Evil Seven is a single-player game. Yeah. And I understand that this kind of streaming idea, you know, it's not new. It comes from PlayStation Now and and Guy Imagine and all playing this stuff. an MMO that already you need part of your bandwidth to play the game, mm -hmm. streaming. Yeah. That I don't seems know. crazy. <laughs> but it is Japan. Um, yeah. The, I don't think that would ever work here. Probably not. Uh, it's just too varied, you know, especially yeah. when you, you're going to run into people that have DSL and don't understand why it's not working properly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just... It's a crack. The, do the, the door was cracked open. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, it was firmly slammed shut as far as being able to play and access these games mm -hmm. on Switch. I mean, I don't so I think, think... it's a start. It's a glimmer of hope. Well, it's, they got to come up with something, obviously. I don't think this solves the problem to any great degree for the majority of the Switch audience. Yeah. Um, does that matter? I don't know. Like, it's probably just mostly free money for them if they're running stuff on a server remotely and streaming it to a Switch. Like, it's not a big expense. But, like, I don't think this is what Switch owners had in mind when they were asking for Resident Evil 7. Yeah. I'm surprised that uh, Capcom didn't go with Monster Hunter World. Well, I feel like that's, that, that's going to be even more complex. Also, I feel like... But they're doing PSO2. True. It's the same thing. It's an well, that's not A, that's not Capcom. And B, right. PSO2 doesn't look like Monster Hunter World. There's True. a lot less happening there. And three, um, Monster Hunter World, I think, is just... It, it's it's In Japan, it's more of a local play thing. You know? And the Switch... You know, like, like the 3DS version and, and, stuff, and PSP and stuff. Um, and the online is a factor, especially in Monster Hunter World. Yeah. But like... 
I think the per person in person play is still a thing over there, and that's who they're focusing on, and that's why Monster Hunter Generations, or that's, that's what it is, an updated yeah. version of Generations. Like that's where you're going to get a physical version of that. Yeah. I think that makes more sense. Um, I think physical versions of anything makes more sense. If you can't run it on the system, I still buy all my games physical. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy any digital. I don't buy everything digital, but I, buy I a get lot of digital stuff when publishers and sure. PR send me stuff, but I never buy anything digital. I buy online stuff digital. I'm holding on. Because like, look, like I bought Destiny I'm 2. I'm one of the last. I bought Destiny 2 digital because physical version of that game does me no good whatsoever. Right. Yeah. It actually, it's more inconvenient yeah. to have the physical I have to put the disc version. in every time, yeah. and when that game shuts down, I have a coaster. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. it's no point. That's yeah, true. But if it's a, like a, like God of War, I bought a physical copy of that because that's a totally, totally offline game that will always be good. I can always play it. Uh, you want a copy. You want to own that. Yep. Um, this, I, I mean, I've tried to play the kind of PlayStation Now stuff and the streaming stuff, and I just find it too laggy. I agree. Um, some games work. Some games, like the Uncharted games, some mostly games work. Don't. Yeah. Uh, Anything that requires split-second timing, forget. Yeah, the Arkham yeah. games don't work because the counter system doesn't is too fast. Yeah. A fighting game, something like that, forget it. Oh no, it. no, no, no. A first-person shooter, forget it. So a single-player first-person shooter, maybe. Definitely not competitive. Resident Evil 7 could work. Yeah, um, but it's yeah just, it could definitely work. It's a pretty slow-moving game. I just feel like this is not... This is outside of the wheelhouse of what the Switch is for to a lot of people. Yeah. And, um, I mean, if, if I wasn't so skeptical of the streaming thing, it would be a solution to me. If, again, there was ever anything on the Switch that I'd need to play that wasn't physically on the Switch, which I feel like that's not a possibility. Yeah. I feel like this is a solution for other games from third parties that can't run on the Switch, so this is how we're going to get it on there. Whereas, like, I would just buy it on a platform that it can run on. Well, right. We, we have all the consoles, and so mm. it doesn't matter that much I can't much see, like, us. Nintendo using this for, like, the next Zelda. Oh, no. Like, oh, no. Definitely not. Like, that but to get these third-party games on its platform... That have no chance of running right. on its hardware. I don't think it's a it's it's better you know like you say better than nothing, but I don't think it's going to really make a huge dent. And it's not you know people want to take something with them. They want to play it whenever they want on the go, and you know single player stuff at least. And like being tethered to a Wi-Fi hotspot just to play a single player survival horror game is weird. And I, th I think you're going to see people like also, comp you know, I've already seen people comparing it to, you know, you've got Doom on there, you've got Outlast 2 on there, it's, and they all look pretty much okay. Not mm -hmm. great, but they look yeah. okay. Why can't you cram Resident Evil 7 in there? It feels like an experiment to see if people will bite. And I don't really feel like people will bite. It's Japan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what Japan's opinions on this kind of streaming thing are. It probably works better there. I'm actually kind of surprised that uh, Nintendo did not build in cellular into Switch. Hmm. At least, kind of like what they do with iPads, where they like offer the like option. a cellular version and just a Wi-Fi version. Yeah. At least in Japan, I'm E3 surprised. is not over yet. That's true. It hasn't even started yet. All that, right. That feels like it might be like a plausible thing to release in Japan. I don't think that yeah. would be a big seller here. No. Nobody wants to contract with their game system. Although my wife, we just got a new iPad for Christmas, and she wanted the cellular version. Hmm. Because we use it when we go on trips or whatever yeah, for like sense. whatever. It's like go to Vegas and you want to change hotel or whatever. My, my like, iPad is for reading comic books. Yeah. So the only online connection is to comic. I need it to Marvel Unlimited and Comicsology. <laughs> That's the beauty of technology. Everyone uses it for something different. And uh, I think the more options you give as far as connectivity, uh, the more more latitude you have in how you use that device, mm. and therefore it will appeal to a wider group of people. So. Uh, we'll see, but it's time to move on to our last topic of today's episode. 
We talk about undoubtedly the biggest story of the week, whether you like it or not, and that is <laughs> that. Seriously, though, uh, that is that Call of Duty Black Ops Four was unveiled this week. Um, initial impressions overall, Matt. Did you watch like the live stream and everything? No. Okay. Watch the trailers. Some of the trailers. Okay. I I can't possibly care less about this game. Yeah. Like you, once you remove that single player campaign, you've removed every possibility of me ever playing it. <laughs> You're not a battle yeah. royale guy either, right? I like the idea. I don't. I'm not going to pay sixty bucks to play a Call of Duty version of it. Yeah. Uh, certainly, if there's no campaign to keep me busy in the meantime, um, and I don't even like Black Ops to begin with, so. Boy. It's like strike four <laughs> at that point. I mean, I, I am so. not. I'm. I am so not on board with this game. I can't even tell you. Well, first of all, the the rumors of no campaign ended up being 100 percent true. Yeah. Um, there is no campaign in the game. Well done, Rumor Squad. Yeah, Treyarch. I do, I do again, and yet another leak that almost all leaks now are true. Uh, for whatever reason, yeah. it seems like 90 percent of them. What's going to be legit. left for E3? Yeah, and is there I'm anything we don't know? Starting to wonder. I mean, we got point. like we almost we got like what three weeks le left? Like, is there going to be anything left? There will, no. be. there will be. You gotta believe so, in the magic of E3, Kyle. So, Sony's gonna keep some secrets. Sony <laughs> usually keeps some secrets. Uh, so while there is no campaign in Black Ops 4, Treyarch is going to extreme lengths to try to make people believe that they've baked some semblance of narrative into the other modes of the game. Even saying uh -huh. that in multiplayer, which is what we're seeing right now, has story built into it. But I've yeah, not seen that's that. That's what Titanfall 1 said, too. Yeah. I, I think Titanfall 1 goes closer to that ideal than this does. Mm -hmm. um, best I can tell, the multiplayer in Black Ops 4 is Overwatch. Mm. I mean, they worked with the Overwatch team on this game. All right, because they are the same company. Yeah. They? Well, I mean, the PC version is going to be on Battle.net, mm -hmm. which is a big deal for... I think that's just going forward, that's how Activision is going to roll. Absolutely. Like, and it should. I mean, yeah, you have, have this it, great but, yeah. service. Why not put all your games on it? Uh, so it's going to be on Battle.net. But really the change, and, and I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of this in the last Black Ops, is the, the classes. Like, they're trying to create characters out of soldiers, essentially. Mm -hmm. And it just it doesn't work. That's why Overwatch does work. It's because they don't have... I mean, they have one. They have, like... The stereotypical soldier yeah. dude. And Almost is point. like a joke. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's why he's an old man. Right. Because exactly. Call of Duty is an old man's game. Right. They're like, this is what this is like our nod to all the other shooters yeah. that this isn't. And uh, trying to it's like you can put a hat on anybody you want. It's still that same person with a hat on. And that's pretty much what they're doing mm -hmm. with Black Ops 4. It just you cannot create a character driven, character based shooter out of a military shooter. It just does not work. Um, as far as like, they're like, oh, boots on the ground. It is boots on the ground. There's no wall running like they had in Black mm -hmm. Ops 3. Although Black Ops 3 was pretty tame. It had the slide, which is still in here, by the way. The slide's still in the game. Uh, and they had wall running. And that was pretty much it. Like, I don't know why you would take away the wall running. Um, it's basically the same universe, same characters as Black Ops 3. But now all of a sudden you've, they've just lost the ability to run on walls. Like I, I don't know. I feel like here, here's the thing with this entire game for me is that Treyarch used to be the leader. It used to come up with the ideas that other shooters would steal and permutate on and change it and bend it to their own needs. Black Ops 4 is just like, hey, 
What's everybody else doing? That's yeah, not. This game seems like a giant reaction. It really is. And that is not what Black Ops has ever been. I mean, you say you hate Black Ops. Black Ops is my favorite Call of Duty franchise. I I've, hate Black Ops. I have enjoyed the I campaign the most in Black Ops. I have enjoyed the multiplayer the most in Black Ops. And that's because generally they're the ones blazing the trail for this franchise. See, now this game is, this is, they should just call this like, Call of Duty, Me Too. Like, that's mm -hmm. pretty much what you're getting here. You're getting... Black Ops. Black Ops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. I mean, you, I mean look. to me, like, the exciting thing this week was the announcement, the, the, the supposed leak of one of the voice actors leaking that Modern Warfare 4 is next right. year's <laughs> game. And it does have a campaign. Right. And it's by Infinity Ward, and a bunch of in, bunch of respawn people have gone back Went to Infinity back. Ward. What happened with that? I don't know. Well, you get bought by EA, you start to get worried, I guess. That's crazy. Um, you, you're waiting for the to be taken out back behind the shed, I guess. Perhaps. Um, but uh, you know, you bring back some, you back the old band together a little bit. Make, give me a Modern Warfare that matches up to two. Like I'm, I'm more on board for that. Um, but look, you have a multiplayer this cap that's basically completely aping or trying to ape Overwatch as mm -hmm. best it can. They're taking the battle royale mode. Yep. The only thing that's left that's unique at this point is the zombies mode. And I would, to Treyarch's credit, the zombies mode is getting blown out bigger than it ever has mm -hmm. been. So there's going to be three chapters of zombies on day one. Usually you get one chapter, and then the rest get dripped out as DLC over like the next year or well, whatever. You got to put some in there to make up for no campaign. So. I mean, that seems to be how they're trying to if compensate. If you want to charge the same price, like that's right. The, yeah. That seems to be how they're trying to compensate. They're like, okay, there's no narrative in, in a traditional sense. Well, let's just beef up our zombies in mm -hmm. one way or another. I read an interview with with a couple guys from Treyarch, and. Uh, they seem, you know, they, the, the interviewer tried to get them to say, like, this is, like, you couldn't get the campaign where you wanted it, so you bailed on it and decided to boost up zombies. And Treyarch mm -hmm. would not budge. Treyarch says, from the very beginning, no plans to have a campaign. There isn't some top-secret campaign for Black Ops 4 floating out there that we're, that's going to be uncovered one day or whatever. This is the game that we meant to build from the, build from the beginning. I have a, huge problems believing that. Especially when you think about, they started building this game three years ago. I <clears throat> then you look at the elements that are actually in it, which a battle royale mode. It just there's too much evidence pointing to they got neck deep in the game, started seeing where shooters were going. Because you got to remember, all this stuff has happened since Black Ops Three came out. Mm -hmm. The rise and domination of Overwatch. What was the last? The rise and domination of Battle Royale. All that's happened since Black Ops Three came out. What was the last Treyarch one? Black Ops Three. Black Ops Three. Yeah. All this stuff has happened. So that was three years ago. Yeah. All this stuff's happened since then, mm -hmm. and there's no way. And look, I love Mark Lamia. He's a good dude. Usually a straight shooter. Uh, but there's no way he's going to convince me that this was the plan all along. I, I, you can't have great campaigns for three games and then just on the fourth one be like, we're not doing that anymore. You decide we're not doing that well, anymore when, there was that when good reason presents itself as to why you should not do it anymore. Well, also there was a the whole thing about like, oh, well, we're, this frees up resources and money to do like the better multiplayer thing. I'm like... I don't believe for one second that a problem any Call of Duty game has ever had is we don't have enough money. Yeah. Like, no, that's... <laughs> if you needed more money to get a campaign in this game, I feel like you'd get You would have had it. You'd have had the money, and the campaign would be there. I, uh... I don't know. The multiplayer 
they keep trying to convince people that it's so different. You, you just watch 10 minutes of it being played. Did you see anything different about that multiplayer? Um, it seems slower. Like, it didn't seem quite as, like, like yeah, breakneck. Yeah, I will say this. When I was playing Black Ops 3, my wife would watch me play it on the TV, and she'd be like, you're making me sick. <laughs> because it was just so fast mm -hmm. and so quick. And they say they're still going for 60 frames per second, which Treyarch typically does hit. Oh, yeah. But I, I just mean the pace of the actual game. Like, the, How fast the speed at which they were moving seems slower. It's still pretty fast. But I, I don't know. I don't see any changes in this multiplayer. You can fiddle with modes all you want, and they do have well, well, the a mode like, just like Overwatch, where you have a moving point and that you have to defend or attack. What's the, what's the thing of like, like where the, the health doesn't re regenerate? Oh, anymore. yeah. That's probably the biggest change, is that you don't have rebounding health. Mm -hmm. And that is a big change. But I mean, that's like the Call of Duty basics. It really right is, yeah. That is a, that is a big change. Um, that will alter. I think that will. That, I think that's a change for the better, in all honesty. Because what rebounding health meters does is it makes you fight and then run away and hide. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, that's never a good thing to want to have in your game. You should try to find workarounds for that. Um, I'm Theor sure, I mean, theoretically, this could lead to a more tactical game. Yeah, it could absolutely. Sort of similar to how uh, what was the what I think was, it could, could what was also, the mode in the other older games where like it was um, like one basically one shot one kill. I mean, Golden Gun from GoldenEye. No, really I mean, like in Modern Warfare, and that kind of, there was like the mode where, like, yeah, there was the normal mode, and there was the mode. Oh, hardcore. Hardcore. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of that kind of made, made it a little more careful until people learned exactly where everything happened in the map. You just threw grenades over houses to hit as soon as they spawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I would say this: I think it, it might impart a little more skill-based success into it, getting rid of the rebounding health meter. But, you know, once you got good at using that, like, you could manage that as well yeah. and be strategic with it. So I don't know how much big of a change it is, but, like, uh, you know, again, they copied Overwatch. They have, like, they've had Hardpoint all along. They haven't had the moving Hardpoint, which is mm -hmm. obviously Overwatch's uh, signature mode. Are they pushing, a, like, an eSports angle on this? Oh, of course. They, I mean, they. I will say this for Call of Duty. It's been pushing the eSports angle way longer than any other shooter. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if you remember or not, but, like... So maybe Counter-Strike. Oh yeah. Well, Counter Strike didn't really push esports on its own. It pushed it; it just sort of evolved. It became yeah. it became yeah. esports. But they've been building in esports components into Call of Duty for a long time. They have like um, where you go and you play like five or six matches, and then it ranks you and qualify, and then you go and then you try to qualify, and then you start climbing up the ladder in the Call of Duty League. Uh, it's been baked into the game for I guess three years now, four years maybe, something like that. Um, so they've been pushing it for a while. Um, but, I don't know. I look at the changes that have been made to this, and they're trying to say, well, these are the things we decided to focus on instead of having a campaign, and does it feel like it's worth it to me? No. Am I a huge campaign guy in Call of Duty anymore? No. But I still played it and enjoyed it, and I particularly enjoyed Treyarch's. So, I don't know. I mean, I'll play it. I'll, but it <laughs> oh, this one's all you. Oh, well, like, obviously yeah. I'll play it. I always play, I play every shooter pretty much. But it looks like another Call of Duty where I play it for a month or two and then I never, and I never go back to it. I never used to be that way with this franchise. It used to be a game that I played all year long. When there were lulls and there was nothing coming out, I just played more Call of Duty multiplayer. Um, I have not been that way for years now. And to me, this game is not going to change it. Now, let's talk about the Battle Royale mode, which they're calling Blackout have not committed, Treyarch has not committed to the number of players. Mm. Um, in an interview, someone said, well, your, your max player count before has been 32. 
is it, can we, can you confirm it's higher than that? And he was like, yeah, way higher than that. So at this point, everyone's assuming at least 50. Now, my, my guess would be at least 64. That, that makes more sense. Seems like a doubling seems like a pretty easy move. Exactly. So here's my question to you, Matt. And I got in a discussion about this with someone on Sifted the other day is, does it matter how many players there are? I mean, functionally, when you're playing, probably not. As long much. as it's tuned As long to... as there's a ton of people. As long as there's more people than you can count easily. Yeah. I think that's the key. And I think as long as it's tuned to the number of players. So mm-hmm. if you know you have 64 players, you've built the maps knowing that you're going to have a maximum of 64. Right. I just... I think this is going to blow up in their face. I don't think the Battle Royale crowd is interested in this. I think Battle Royale has evolved with a with a younger audience with a different audience um with an audience that is totally fine with jank as long as it gets them their their stuff cheaper <laughs> uh and and the, i mean the fortnite thing is because fortnite's free like it's, it's because it's free it, yeah. and they want 60 bucks for this thing as far as we know right now i mean that's the price on the blizzard app yeah, thing yeah um i don't i don't know if there's going to be some kind of uh, they're going to sell it for 60 bucks. right like, you know they are but like the first kind of a first one's free trial thing for blackout or something might not hurt but i think the main thing is like um i wonder if they're shooting themselves in the foot here because the people who play call of duty religiously are older gamers who maybe not even don't even necessarily know about the battle royale craze and they might very well buy this and be like oh what's this thing hey this is great but I don't. I think Activision's after the audience that made the battle royale games a a a, a critical mass uh, in the gaming space, and I just don't think they're. I don't. I don't think they're. If if I I don't think you're gonna be have the meme where the 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 dudes walking down the street and looking at the hot girl and the other girls like hey I don't think that's gonna happen with Black Ops. I don't think it's gonna distract anyone who's into Fortnite or PUBG in any great numbers. To come over and be like, you know, you know what I'd really like to do is instead of playing this free game or this game that I've owned for three years uh, and stream all the time, I'm going to play this $60 game from this series that has never done this before and like I probably make fun of all the time. Okay, I will present a counter-argument to that. Day one, 10 million people on this game. You don't need all those other people. You're going to have more people than you could even comprehend how many in that mode? How what? How many copies does a Call of Duty need to sell to, to be considered like average? Like an Infinite Warfare is considered a failure. Yeah. How many sold copies? Like of that? nine or ten. Okay. Um, gen- I mean, a really successful Call of Duty sells twenty-five million, something like that. Is that Black Ops Three? Black uh, Ops Two. I don't know if it quite hit that. Black Ops Two sold over that. Black Ops Two is, I think, if not the most successful, one of the top two most successful. Uh, Call of Duty games ever. I think it's the most. I think I because Modern I mean, Warfare there's still 2 like seven hundred thousand people playing Black Ops. <laughs> it's insane, like how that game has hung on. Um, so first of all, huge install base on day one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not gonna have to worry about pulling anyone from any other game. You're gonna have plenty of people to fill that mode. Two, to your point, older people playing Call of Duty. That's their franchise. This is the Trojan horse into battle royale because what their battle royale does is it uses all the elements of prior Black Ops games and puts them into one melting pot. So while you're right, there's probably a lot of people who are Call of Duty fans who have maybe never touched a Battle Royale mode or maybe fiddled around with Fortnite because it's free. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like a warm blanket when they play this because well, one all the gadgets, th- one hopes all the this guns, one plays better than Fortnite does. Right, right. 
all the gadgets, all the guns, all the characters, wep uh, they have vehicles. Think about that, a Call of Duty with vehicles in it. Well, Treyarch's done it before. That, right, but that, they're like a, a part of the mm. core experience here. So I hear you. Like, I don't see this game pulling, at least not at first. I mean, that's actually, I don't see this game pulling a ton of people away from PUBG right. or away from Fortnite. The vehicles concern me, actually. It could be a problem. Because every time Treyarch has tried to do vehicles before, it has been garbage. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. So I don't think at first that this is going to pull it. I don't think, like, the day this comes out, mm -hmm. like, suddenly... PUBG loses 10 million people and Fortnite loses 10 million people and they start playing this. I think what does happen is there's a huge built-in audience for this on day one. If it's good, mm -hmm. word will eventually spread. Do you think that And then maybe it's, it pulls some people from those other But games. do you think that built-in audience cares about the campaign? I think 30, 40% of them do. Because things, have things shifted? Because I remember in the Black Ops 2 era... The stats Activision put out was something like 70% of the, the people who bought the game never touched the multiplayer. Right. Yeah. So has have things shifted? I mean, I could believe that they have. Oh, the, yeah. The I mean, more people play multiplayer than... Because mm -hmm. the campaigns have become less and less important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, in Treyarch and Activision has all that data. It has more data than you could ever look at in your lifetime on this stuff. You, I mean, you, yeah, you figure that, that you have the data, you know what you're doing, but then, like, you say the same thing about Lawbreakers. Um... I don't know. Cliff and Bosky had access to a whole lot of data when they yeah, started waking up. They had, they had their breakers. metrics. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, you, you got to move forward. You got, like you say, you got to, you got to move ahead. You got to change the game periodically. You can't, you know, things, things alter. You know, new things pop up. Other people innovate, and you have to keep up. You can't just keep making the same thing over and over again. Even though Call of Duty pretty much does that. Um, but then you wonder, like, you know, if it's been working for you. But then it, maybe it hasn't, because Infinite Warfare... I feel like... I wonder if Infinite Warfare sold less because it didn't look like what everything that people are used to. I think that was definitely a part of it. It didn't look like a Call of Duty yeah, game. which is one of the reasons I like it so much. Right. Um, well, that campaign was great. I mean, I don't think anybody can deny that that was one of the better first-person shooter campaigns of the last half-decade yeah. or so. I played it twice, which I never... I mean, the only other uh, first-person shooter campaign I think I've played twice in the last, like... Seven or eight years is Titanfall 2. Yeah, which was also great. Yes. Um, so, I don't know. I'm torn on this, Matt. And again, you know, I used to be a huge Call of Duty fan, so much so that people used to rag on me online about mm -hmm. it and be like, oh, if it's not COD, Shane doesn't like it, which was always bullcrap. But um, as someone who has played all these games and does have a pretty good attachment to it, I'm, I'm torn on this one. I, uh, I don't know that I would miss the campaign all that much because I didn't like the campaign in Black Ops Three all that much. I thought it was okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it doesn't even matter to me because I wouldn't. But I wouldn't have played it any either way. I will say this: I am far more interested in playing Battle Royale in Black Ops than I am about playing Fortnite or PUBG. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, because when I play Fortnite or I play PUBG, I feel like a fish out of water. Like, I'm playing, I'm swimming in somebody else's pool. Have they shown any of the Battle Royale mode nope. at all? There's just like this little Do you think it'll be first trailer. person? Yeah, I do think Because I be feel like person. that's, like, I think Battle Royale needs to be third person. I absolutely, I don't know. Why? Because you lose so much visibility around the character if you're not you third do. person. And hiding from people and seeing your, I mean, I just feel like, you know, it, maybe it doesn't matter if you can't switch. But you gotta remember, Call like, of Duty has gadgets, though, that will do that for you. Yeah. Like, there are heart rate sensors that you can attach to your gun, and, like, and I think, again, that type of stuff, it's all that legacy content being thrown into a battle royale. It can mm. pay, it can, could pay huge dividends. And it's me, just, personally, 
I'm more excited to play Blackout than I am to play Fortnite or PUBG. It'll be interesting in, just in the sense of like, so much of the appeal of the Battle Royale game seems to be the customization of the character, what you look like, the crazy no, shit right. that happens around yeah. that. And you remove all that if you make it all first person. And if you make well, everybody it, else can still see your character. Sure, but that's not the same thing. And like, it make, but then again, like you say, maybe they're going for this older audience's audience that hasn't tried this this subgenre yet or mode yet, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Um, I know that's a big argument now. Is it a genre? Is it a mode? Right. Um, like maybe it doesn't matter to them. But I do know that when you can switch back and forth in like something like Battlefront, Star Wars, uh, the third person people have an advantage because you can see around the corners easier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting. To see. I, mean, I, I admit, even though I don't want to play it, it is the first time I'm interested in a Call of Duty launch and the outcome of it yeah. in a long time. I, I mean, you're right. You can say that. At least Treyarch is stirring the pot a little bit. Yeah. Because otherwise, these games just come and go. The same people buy them. Um, I mean, you can't really argue that Call of Duty didn't need some kind of shot in the arm. Yeah, I mean, it probably needs a shot bigger than this, to be honest with you, mm -hmm. at this point. Um, you know, the focus it, on zombies yeah, seems a little enough? misguided to me. Yeah, I don't know. Is it not big enough? Is it the wrong shot? Is it the wrong arm? Like, yeah. yeah. Who knows? Yeah, and we'll probably get a little more information at E3, I'm guessing, but I would say probably Activision will mm -hmm. just continue to kind of unveil stuff as it goes along. Right. I wouldn't be surprised either if Activision does a separate event for Battle Royale. Yeah, well also I think it's gonna be interesting as we get closer to E3 and move through E3, I think we're gonna see a whole lot of AAA publishers revealing their Battle Royale right. takes, and it's gonna be interesting to see who came up with the take on the Battle Royale thing that attracts the most eyeballs. Yeah. Because um, here's, here's the place, and like people are skeptical about the Gears 5 thing, but I could see them rushing Gears 5 in a production to get a Battle Royale mode out there, because that game, that game and its systems are so well like, it's already third person. It's already third yeah. person. You could do kind of like a more like large-scale battlefield thing with it. Um, Got to strike while the iron's hot, I, I right? think it, Yeah, I think it is ripe for that idea. Because in three years, how big is Battle Royale going to be? Right. It's just going to be another mode. Well, every, yeah, everyone's going to have it. Yeah. So like, it, you're, I think you're probably right in the sense that, you know, I'm sure they all want to capture that PUBG audience and that Fortnite audience one way or the other. But you are still looking at a point where, like, this you is you got to keep your customers this, too. Oh, right. Well, this year, this is the year <laughs> where you the, can bleed customers. This is the year where we we figure find out which AAA publisher gets the biggest hunk of that bone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and maybe that doesn't impact Fortnite and PUBG all that much. But you know, there's there's a casual audience that doesn't necessarily even know about that that whole thing yet. That you know, you have to assume that people that like to play online multiplayer games, if they've never encountered PUBG or Fortnite before are going to pick something like this up and be like, oh, this is really cool. I mean, it seems to be a mode that everybody likes one way or the other, or at least yeah. likes the idea of. Yeah, absolutely. And if you can get a really slick, polished experience in there, in contrast with what's, you know, what the big ones are right now, yeah, it, could, it could get critical mass going. Why but it's interesting to see who that is. Right. Why hasn't anyone licensed Battle Royale, the movie? Why hasn't anyone made the Battle Royale game? Probably because it's children shooting each other, and we do that enough in real life already. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Probably wouldn't work in America too well. No. Other countries, maybe. Not here. No. I, I, it would be outlawed in I like think a week. We, I think we play games to escape. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Unfortunately, that's reality where we live. Yeah. It's insane. All right, so there you go. Black Ops 4. I'm sure there's more to come on that, which means we'll talk about it more. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, again, I'm kind of in the middle. I don't know where it's going. A little disappointed that Treyarch, generally a trailblazer, has kind of turned into a Me Too uh, developer with this one. 
But at the same time, I'm very excited to check out Blackout more so than any other Battle Royale mode that I've seen so far. So time for our trailer of the week. We're going to do something in today's episode that I don't think we've ever done before. The trailer of the week is for a game that we discussed earlier. Mm -hmm. Usually we'll be like, no, 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 if we talk about it, we're not going to run the trailer of the week. Well, this one is pretty weird. This, this trailer is awesome, um, and it's for Dragon's Crown Pro. And, uh, and it mystifies me why they spent the money to make it. I have no, I don't have no idea where the money. I'm glad came they from. did. I'm glad they did. But it's it's hilarious. It's a great trailer. Um, <laughs> but it's so weird that, that they would spend the money for. It seems like such a niche game to put. It seems like know. they blew like eighty percent of their marketing budget <laughs> on just that one trailer. But hey, it's working. We're showing it on game. I mean, Faces arguably, the, arguably, you have the built-in audience that already is aware of Vanillaware and Dragon's Crown, and is you know, like me, like I was always going to buy this because I like Vanillaware stuff, yeah. And I knew about Dragon's Crown already. Like I, you had my attention. So if you want to blow a huge amount of money trying to get other people who have never heard of this to pay attention and realize it's a thing that's out there, I guess that makes a little bit of sense. I mean, would it be better for it away on YouTube ads? That people like don't watch anyway. Maybe they only maybe, watch the first five. Maybe seconds. there's still sort of that that weird feeling that, that has been around for a long time of like how like, oh you can't it's 2D you can't just show 2D games right like, no right. one cares about 2D games yeah that could be but anyway this is a live action trailer for Dragon's Crown get those questions in the chat right now let's roll it yeah it's uh it's hard to explain there's. There's just a spark. Who made the first move? Definitely me. I wouldn't really call it a fight. It was no big deal. You're still not over that? <laughs> it had sentimental value. How do you have all of this stuff? What about this? Keep. You have three. That one's special. Don't you remember the Medusa fight? That was awesome. After all the meals I've cooked, hours over the stove. He's definitely the chef, no doubt. I know my way around the kitchen. Oh, um, I don't know. Life with you is like, I mean, it's always... An adventure. Now you know why we chose that one for our trailer of the week. Uh, I said it was D&D &D and they had even have a beholder in there. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah duh, it was pretty good. Uh, let's see if we have any questions here. Uh, remember, go at Sifted Games if you want to ask any questions. Um, oh, I may need to reload this, unfortunately. Yeah, my, all my stuff is old. I don't know what's up with the app. Do you have anything, Matt? Uh, well, if, you go to, if it goes to sleep, it doesn't update the chat. That's the problem. Yeah, that's where I'm um, at. Here's a good one. Uh, the Legacy asks, uh, are you surprised there's no package deal with a Black Ops 1 campaign or the rumored Modern Warfare 2 campaign remaster like Infinite Warfare had with Modern Warfare remastered? No. When I heard those rumors, I thought they were all malarkey anyway. 
Um, it does kind of make sense because with no campaign, you're like, oh, well, let's just revamp an old one and just mm -hmm. recycle it. But I don't know. I know Treyarch pretty well. I've spent a lot of time with those guys. And uh, to me, it just doesn't seem like something that they would do. No. Well, I think, I think a Modern Warfare 2 remastered is, is in the cards, but that's going to come with an Infinity Ward game. Oh, yeah. Probably absolutely. next year yeah. with the rumored Modern Warfare 4. Uh, on the 10th anniversary of Modern Warfare 2. Yeah, that makes too much so, sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, th yeah. I think that, but remastered Black Ops stuff does not, does not seem to be a thing. Yeah. Also, because most of that's backwards compatible anyway, I guess. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's kind of redundant when you think about it that yeah. way. Also, like, you get 700,000 people still playing Black Ops 2. They don't need a remaster. <laughs> They're still playing it. Um, Here I can see one from Don Lionheart. What do you guys think about Sony announcing... Their games early ruins the surprise. What do you mean? Sony announcing that they're fo is focusing on those four games for E3? Is that what yeah, you're I guess. About? Or did something break while we're doing the show? I, don't, I mean, they, they said like there's the four games, I guess. But there's always going to be weird little things they show. Yeah. I don't know. I, I won't judge it until we see it. I mean, it is a little weird that Sony is kind of going the Nintendo route. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, hey. Hey, just, just chill out. Like, it feels like they're trying to lower expectations by default. Well, I mean, it's also doing what Nintendo's done. And it says, at E3, we're going to focus on just a few products right. and blow them out hardcore instead of just throwing little bits and pieces of games out there. Mm -hmm. um, I, I agree with Matt, though. I think it could be a little bit of a ruse. Like, I wouldn't just assume that those are the only four games you're going to hear about. And maybe Sony just turned it over to the third parties this year and said, hey, you guys can debut all this stuff. We want to focus on these four games that we really need to sell tons of copies of. And look, those games look great. I'm excited to get more information on all four of those games. So um, Sony's decision, I don't think it's going to affect E3 overall. I think what you're going to get is you're going to get some of these announcements that maybe normally were shown at Sony's press conference, um, handled by the, the actual publishers who are publishing, the third-party publishers. So I think you'll see Capcom maybe show some stuff on its own, Square Enix. Um, all those guys, I think, will probably just handle that stuff on their own. And does it really matter whether it's on Sony's stage mm. or whether the publishers are the ones who unveil it? Not really. As long as you get it, and you, if you're on Sifted, you're going to get it. So I think all's well that ends well. And ultimately, getting deep dives on those four games, I, I think, is great. So, um, yeah, I have no problem with that strategy at all. Um, I mean, you said ruins a surprise. That's why it threw me off. I'm like, wait, did they announce something while we were doing the show? Because... All four of those games were known quantities already, so it wasn't really ruining any sort of surprise. I don't know. I'm excited ne to see Neo more. Neogaf used to have spoiler threads about press conferences. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, people, people want to consume their E3 in the way they consume it. Yeah, unfortunately, in today's media age, <laughs> good luck with that. Gerzilla asks, do you think the inevitable Battle Royale mode in Battlefield Five will be free while the main game will cost money like in Fortnite? No. EA is going to charge you for everything. Uh, I'm sorry, I missed a question. I was reading another. Will one. Battlefield 5's inevitable battle royale mode be free? No, no. Uh, -uh. and uh, neither will Call of Duty's, obviously. So, um, I think what they're banking on is they think that their product is going to ultimately be a superior product. Right. Well, and they also bank, one, I think, on the idea that the battle royale thing will be a big bonus to their already existing desirable exactly. package. Exactly, because their games are much more than just a Battle Royale mode. I mean, I know Fortnite has, like, really what Fortnite is. It mm -hmm. didn't start as Battle Royale. 
Uh, but that didn't really catch fire. It caught fire when it Battle Royale came out one and two, and it was free. See, I you're getting. I mean, they already said Battlefield Five mm. is going to have a campaign. Yeah. If anything is, free, which is unveiled and unveiled in two days, by the way. If anything is free in that regard, I could see, I could see Ubisoft like breaking out like a battle royale ghost recon yeah, mode I could see from that. like the wildlands tech and just saying like it's free here's a bunch of like cosmetic loot you know the fortnite thing i could see like like ubisoft doing that and i think that would be wildfire i mean it's already like, kind of done it i mean rainbow six siege yeah. is kind of that already There's take no that model and there. just apply it to a battle royale adaptation of wildlands i think you've got gold that's right a great there. idea and i think ubisoft already has it figured out yeah it's, ubisoft I mean, already knows how to sell you microtransactions siege like, it's already started out really rough and mm -hmm. now it's gigantic i mean it has i think last month it had 40 million players yeah. and three guesses what the new dark zone will be in division two absolutely yeah battle royale mode but now you gotta get your, now you gotta zone. get your stuff out yeah yeah <laughs> I you, think that's a, I you think don't get right. to keep your hats unless you win the chicken dinner no i think you're right though if there's one publisher that would do something like that it's absolutely ubisoft mm. good one kyle um j reed vic seven what's up brother hope you're having a good night uh, years from now, when people look back at the legacy of the 360 PS3, uh, will part of it be that budgets were low enough that all we could still get more niche things that rounded out platforms like Tony Hawk, SSX, Gate, Def Jam, etc., even though they weren't necessarily as good as the predecessors? Uh, I mean, it might be kind of seen as the last gasp of the mid-tier game, the, the B-lister. It absolutely was. Um, but I think... like. Indie games have kind of filled that niche to some degree. We just talked about State of Decay 2. Yeah. There's a perfect example oh, of yeah. a mid-tier game. State of Decay 2 is exactly like what you would have paid like 30 bucks for on a PlayStation 2. Yep, like, absolutely. absolutely yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we've talked about it on the show before. We don't see that stuff anymore. Right. And we actually kind of lamented that we didn't see it anymore a little I bit. I like that kind of... I, I always like the sort of uh, you know mid-card you know, mid game that like... Yeah. You didn't know what it was. You picked it up. You bought you bought Shadow of Rome on a whim just because it said Capcom. Yeah. And like you got it home and it's actually pretty damn good. Yeah. Like I think probably Onrush should be a discounted game if it really wants it mm. to do well. I don't think they will, but I think it probably I mean it's not be. like most of those games back in the day were actually cheaper than than Some of retail. them were, maybe like ten bucks. But most of them just dropped in price real really fast. quick, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, I like that. I, I feel like the indie game scene kind of fills that hole for me uh fairly adequately um sometimes a game comes along like state of decay 2 that reminds me of like oh i wish there was like you know when publishers didn't feel like everything had i mean i know this was already jim sterling's video this week but it's like where publishers didn't feel like everything had to be a home run right where like they just sort like, of like hey we have this pet project right like zach and wiki will we ever see right. a game like that ever again from a big publisher like Square Enix obviously has its collective, its indie imprint that it does stuff like that yeah. on, but well, boy, most do have, publishers do not have that. Boy, do I have a surprise for you about what Crackdown 3 has become in the interim. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's one from Damp Tao Man. I've never seen you in the chat before, so if you're new to Game Face, welcome and thanks for watching. Um, do you think Activision can justify paid map packs for Black Ops 4? Um, I saw today on Sifted that there will be no paid map packs for Black Ops 4. That would make sense. I don't think you can justify that. That they're going to be free and they're going to come out like one per month. They, it did not say whether Sony will be getting them first or not. I'm mm. assuming it will still. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the news today was that there are no paid map packs. But 
yeah, to answer your question, if there were paid map packs, no. You absolutely cannot rationalize that. No, I don't think that's, yeah. I don't know if you saw Pactor's prediction. Pactor thinks that, and I think it may have been proven wrong already, he thinks that there is absolutely going to be a campaign for Black Ops 4 and that that is going to be the DLC for Black Ops 4, that eventually they'll release a campaign that people will download. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, hmm. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what to say to that. I know. He, he said he refused to believe that they didn't work on one, which kind of falls I'm along. I'm sure they worked on right. one, but I think they threw it, that, threw it but out. But I think what he's saying is like, well, once the game comes out, they'll have time to finish the campaign, and eventually they'll drop it and let people download it for free. I don't know. That seems very non-Activision. <laughs> that seems very optimistic, I think. Congrim uh, 1. Also, I don't think I've seen you in the chat before. Welcome. Uh, have either of you voted or checked out the monthly screenshot contest on Sifted Community Forums? You should check it out 25th of each month to vote. It's coming up. I, I have checked it out before. I, I wish I had time to participate. In fact, I did a, a travelogue for God of War where I just took all the screenshots that I had snapped mm. while I was playing the game. And I didn't take them all, but I took the best ones and I just put them up in a gallery on the site. And somebody mentioned in there, like, you should pick the best one and enter it in mm. the screen. It has been going on since Sifted launched, by the way. I should have taken some screenshots of uh, all my glitches in State of Decay 2. <laughs> well, yeah. Have a, we have a little slideshow of all the horrible things I ran into. <laughs> uh, there's a theme typically every month for the screenshot contest. Uh, go on the forums. You can't miss the thread. It's right there. Typically, there's a theme that you go for whenever you uh, submit mm -hmm. a shot. Um, but I have not participated in one in quite a while. But uh, when they first launched, I did. I'm just so damn busy. I wish I had time to do fun stuff like that. But mm -hmm. unfortunately, I do not. Playland MX asks, is that a face hugger on the shelf at the right hand of Matt? Yes, it is. On top of a turntable. Uh, on top of a turntable is a stuffed face hugger. It's got uh, uh, wires in the legs. You can pose it. It'll actually attach to your face, yeah, right? You can attach to your face if you want. Yep. I used to have that on my monitor uh, at uh, G4, like hanging over the top of the monitor, and then they switched us to flat screen monitors, and I had to take it home because oh. I couldn't. Because it, <laughs> it sat on the top of the CRT monitor, right. like, but it was a flat screen. It couldn't. Right. Couldn't do that. Uh, so Don Linehart, to follow up on his prior question, I say ruins a surprise because you know what not to expect from first party games. Hmm. I get that. Uh, let's see. We'll take maybe one or two more here if we got one. Mr. Mute Speaker. Lots of new people in chat that I don't recognize mm -hmm. tonight. That's awesome. Welcome, guys. Um, do you think it would have been a better idea to completely revamp COD's multiplayer instead of replacing its campaign mode, since multiplayer is what gave the game legs and most never had issues with the story mode? Hmm. No. I don't think it was a good idea. I don't think that would have been a good idea, in all honesty. Um, I think you need a certain sense of familiarity with Call of Duty's multiplayer. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's why some people have rebelled from it over the last three or four years because it started getting out there with jetpacks and wall running. Now everybody's like, boots on the ground, you need to boots on the ground. I don't like boots on the ground. I feel like it's a regression, but people seem to be screaming for it. And obviously Battlefield 1. Boots on the ground refers to like no wall running or right. jetpacks and stuff? No jetpacks okay. and stuff like that. Yeah. And people have been clamoring for it, and now that's what they're getting. And they got it with Battlefield 1, and people loved it. Um, I think you need a little bit of familiarity with the tools that you jump into to play multiplayer. Otherwise, it's just any first-person shooter. Yeah. I think Call of Duty has a certain identity, 
And I think it also plays into what I was talking about earlier with uh, its Battle Royale mode. I think what's going to be a boon for that Battle Royale mode is that people are going to be able to jump into it and be good right away because they've played with all those guns. They've used an AK-47 for 10 years in Call of Duty. They know how it fires. They know what the recoil's like. They know what the shot pattern is like. Uh, they know what scopes they want to use. They know what it, other attachments they want to put on their weapons. Um, they know what weapon they like to use, whether they want to use a, an assault rifle or a, an SMG or a light machine gun or whatever. Um, I think that familiarity is an advantage in multiplayer, and I think we're going to see that play out in the Battle Royale mode when, uh, when it comes out. So um, I wasn't the guy that hated on Call of Duty when it added jetpacks. In fact, that, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, and I like the wall running in Black Ops 3 as well, but uh, that's not what everyone else is calling for right now. Um, they want it to kind of go back to the roots of the franchise. And uh, so, no, I don't think if people are, are, are stop, or have stopped playing the campaign, you don't change the multiplayer mm -hmm. because people have stopped playing the campaign. You change the campaign or you get rid of it, which is what they ultimately did. So... Also, you could argue they did drastically change the campaign with Infinite Warfare, and it did not go over well. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep, but I think that had more to do with setting and aesthetics. Somewhat. More than gameplay. Man, I like that game. So do I. <laughs> that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Yeah. Uh, thanks, you, thanks for the great questions, guys. Another uh, great sampling of queries. So that's it for Game Face 129. A couple notes before we go. Um, we'll be starting our E3 2018 previews next week. Um, if you guys are new to Sifted or new to Game Face, uh, we go publisher by publisher. And it won't be, next week won't be all E3 previews. We'll do a couple publishers next week, a couple publishers the week after that. We got some stuff coming out this week. Yeah, too. and it, the releases are starting to heat up as well. So, um, we're gonna, is it going to be Detroit this week? Yep. Yeah, I think Detroit comes out tomorrow? No, it's the 25th. So Friday. It's Friday. Friday. Um, so we'll get you guys ready for E3. You guys will be locked and loaded. You'll have all the information you need to get ready for the show. Um, probably next week I'll start talking more in depth about our E3 plans uh, as far as what we're going to be doing and what you can expect from that. Uh, but just starting to get jacked up here, man. E3 is right around the corner, just three weeks away? Yeah. Just about four weeks away, closer to four weeks. Yeah, but it's getting there. Yep, but uh, we promise you, like we always do, we will have you guys ready to go for E3 2018, and we can't wait for you guys to take the ride with us. So, uh, one final note before we go, if you jumped into the stream late, it is late in the month, so if you have not re-upped your Twitch Prime subscription for us, we would really appreciate it. So a bunch if, of people doing that as, in the oh, chat as we, were, as we were going on. That on, is one on. big disadvantage to doing the show here. No offense. I appreciate very much that we can do it here. But not having that PC there that's mm. feeding into the TriCaster, that was a huge, huge help. You get you a little, like, little like music stand yeah, to put, yeah. your, put your iPad on. <laughs> that's true. That might work. Um, but yeah, I wish I could follow the chat a little more closely than I do. But thank you to all you guys who subscribed. If you jumped in late and you haven't done it yet this month, by now it's probably turned over and you could probably do it again. It is a huge, huge help for us. We really, really appreciate it. So, and those of you on YouTube, you better be giving us that 250. <laughs> Seriously. It's like, why not? You know, it's like you, if you're enjoying Game Face and Pactor Factor and you can't afford uh, to contribute to our cause, just give us that free 250 every month. It's awesome. We would really appreciate it. So hope you guys have a great week. Game Face is up and out.